You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to Scottish Football Forums podcast, season nine, episode fifty-four. Uh, I'm John. I'm back. Uh, like Slim Shady, uh, and I'm joined by John. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, and I'm glad you're back in hosting duties. Yeah, you're not a fan of it. Oh yeah, I dog. don't mind it sometimes, but you're the you're the natural host. We 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 play our strengths. Aye, uh, I, I quite I don't know. I think you can host. You actually almost don't don't need to talk as much. It's good. You can pass the buck on to you, you guys, so it's all right. <laughs> um, so I tonight, Chris, uh, he's unavailable. Um, so we've got a man of. More clubs in a deck of cards, it could be fair to say. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ali Graham, how you doing? Very well, thanks very much, guys. Pleasure to be here. Sorry about that introduction, I couldn't resist. So, how have you been getting on? Uh, during this uh, pandemic? Yes. Well, I think we're just a wee bit fed up now, guys, of the, the football situation. I mean, I'm, I've got the German game on to my right-hand side there as we speak, and it's just not the same without the supporters and things, but you've just got to play with the rules, and hopefully hopefully we'll get a date when maybe we can get back to kind of some sort of a normality before the start of the season starts, you know, because I don't think you can just switch a, put a switch on and you'll say that's the league starting again where guys need to do their pre-season and things and get ready for it, so... Just, just a bit of news to let us know what's happening because we all love our football. I definitely. I think I was reading. Um, I think it was QPR chairman or something like that today down south. He was saying they were the last to know that the championship season down there was starting the twentieth of June. They're like, well, the players aren't even in contact training yet, so you're t- talking about getting them match fit in three weeks. That's kind of unrealistic. So, yeah, and they've got nine games to go plus um, the player finals, and they're wanting that finished by the end of July. It's it's going to be very demanding no, no, physically it, and mentally. It, it would be even worse if a manager get told that news in the car park, wouldn't it? Because you know what happens to the car park when you get told your lead starting back. You usually get the bump, didn't you? <laughs> but no, you're right. You're right. It's uh, I don't know how they're going to do it. And I don't understand the, the situation with the, you know, the, the top leagues. I know the, the, the leagues that I go to watch and you guys maybe go to watch. I, I don't understand why they can't. They're talking about social distancing and things and maybe leaving those out and things like that. But if it's 30% of their attendance, surely some of the, 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 the parts that we go is no, even 30% of the attendance. You know, some of the games you could maybe manage it no bother because the young, the smaller clubs definitely need the, need the revenue, you know, to try and survive. And, and that's going to be the big problem. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I go to the junior football uh, a fair bit and... You could probably get away with it all right there, but they're talking about not playing in front of a crowd until 2021, which is crazy. Um, yeah. How are they going to survive? Aye, exactly, yeah. yeah. And there's some clubs that are in a more fortunate but fortunate position. They've maybe had finance from like, runs in the Scottish Cup or different things like that. But for most of the clubs, they're relying on volunteers. Are they, they obviously having to pay players still, um, and they're not knowing when the season starts again. There's some clubs that have been surprisingly signing players, which I think... Yeah. is maybe a bit daft just now until they know what the, the lay of the land is. Well, people forget as well, guys, that, you know, the, the, the managers of these clubs is going to be having to be given a, a budget. Now, there's not going to be a budget there because nobody's got any money left. Or, you know, they don't know how much money they're going to have to even pay the manager, never mind try and assemble a squad together. So that's a big problem. Unless you've got guys on two-year deals, 
And I was speaking to John McGlynn a couple of weeks ago there, and John was telling us that they done that fantastic gesture to the players, didn't they? They furloughed things, kept it going, and they yeah. money or whatever. But um, you, you don't want to stay out of the loop. You want to stay in it, because if players become available, you need to try and move quickly, but you just don't know when to move. So yeah. if you let it go as a club, then you're kind of out. You maybe only get four or five players left. You need to assemble you know, another 18, 19 guys. What are you going to get them for? You know? So it's going to be very difficult. Them. Yeah, the approach has been quite different from a lot of the clubs as well. Like you mentioned, over the Wraith, they've been kind of good in terms of keeping players on, but other clubs you've seen as many as 15, 17 players. I think in Fairman, like, oh, 17 players. Yeah. I think Hearts today was 15, but a lot, quite a few of them were loan deals. But the other news, though, is Craig Lavina is finally left. <laughs> <laughs> it seems. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, you'll be back. I'll be back in a different <laughs> job, aye. So. Yeah, who do you tend to watch? Uh, who do you tend to go and watch yourself in early these days? Who would you kind of tend yeah, to obviously, watch? Yeah, well, obviously, I was at Albion Overs last season with, with Kevin. I was doing a bit of coaching there with him. Um, found, found it difficult to make some away games, you know, the, the kind of the demographics of that league, you know, your, yeah. your coach and all that kind of stuff. So, But, um, no, I enjoyed that. I was there two weeks a week and then the home game on a Saturday. Um, obviously, I started doing that because I used to work for the newspaper and, and, and do my report and their kind of thing, you know, but you guys know and everybody knows what the situation is with the newspapers now. There's no reporting in the lower leagues at all and you know it's a bit of a blow to a lot of people and even a lot of young players who I try to kind of bum up these players if you like for the Monday paper to try and get a wee name for them and over the last 12 or 12 years I was doing it. You build up a wee relationship with people and you get a wee portfolio with them you know and you like to see where they go and that's just been taken away now, so it's, it's, it's pretty dire, you know, it's, it's, it's not great for them as well as it obviously us, you know, but um, I don't think that'll ever come back, I think that's a way all together now. Yeah, I think that's something that's sadly lacking in Scottish football, is like a fanzine to like promote all the leagues, it's all the focus obviously is on the top league, and there's been yeah. there's been guys that have tried to introduce fanzines and different things like that, but very difficult. Um, I mean, it's not only that. It's um, you know when a player players are in loan, you get the odd phone call for an odd manager. How did he day to day? Did you report? I mean, how do they play? You're keeping you're keeping guys interested in guys and people, other players maybe getting a move somewhere else where they've maybe noticed a name popping up once or twice. I know they go to watch the games and that, but the newspaper was the way that you used to do that kind of stuff, you know. So I think it'll be sadly missed. And um, they tried the online thing as well, but I don't really think that's that's even taking place now because what it is now is it's just a an update of all the kind of, you know, if you scored, that was actually mentioned. Ah, uh, yeah. The goalkeeper or whatever, you had a good game. And then I try to kind of split it across the board and a lot, lots of guys like myself done that as well, where you keep an eye on a couple of young players and see how they were developing, you know, and, and, and it was good to watch, but and then report on them and then hopefully get a wee bit of kind of, some of the fathers even contacted me, thanks very much, that's great, you know. And, um, so it'll be, it's, it's a sore one, but obviously, you know, <laughs> Obviously in the pocket as well as being other things, you know, because it was a good wee, in, a, a wee interest for us. But um, I don't think I'll ever come back. It's, it's, it's sad that you know because it was a good, there was a good pullouts in some of the papers about the lower leagues. Really good. Yeah, definitely. So how did you get into the coaching with Kevin Harper? I'll be nervous. Kevin just phoned us. Um, obviously, I'd been doing it for a long time um, since I, I was at Queens Park. I finished my career at Queens Park, and I sat my one of my licences in the way back in the nineties when I was at Wraith Rovers. So it was always something that I kind of get into, but. In the late 90s, uh, I took on a business and I didn't have time to do it when I left East Stirling. So, but um, I went up to East Kilbride, EKFC, and coached there under 20s for a long time. And um, 
obviously BSC Glasgow I was there as a coach as well we and King one of my mates so no I get back involved in it and I really enjoyed it so that's been back maybe about eight, seven or eight years now you know so been doing that for the last 70 years I was over with Kevin last year but Kevin was just disappointed as we were talking about earlier on there on the kind of budget that they've offered them and it, it's it did me feel as if it's difficult doing it the, the lower the lower leagues doing it that level where if you've not got enough budget and it's no yeah, a lot of money any matter the means you know it's no like your cove and these teams that have that have got a good good sizable budget um, and you're just going to be fighting you know fighting against yourselves again and maybe you know trying just to stay up and see try to get up the table so he just felt it was good enough and, and he's, he's walked away from it so he'll be, he'll be another manager just sitting there waiting on the phone going and that's what happens yeah, yeah he was um he was on our podcast like a couple of weeks before he resigned and yeah. he was talking about the challenges of you know Keeping up with you know with the likes of Cove and Edinburgh City, um, who'd come up and done well, and then the potential threat of Kelty Hearts and the uh, Brewer Rangers if they were able to get in, and it was just becoming uh, harder. I mean, he gave no inkling he was going to resign at that point. Um, it, it was sad to hear because, of course, he talked openly about being you know the first black manager in 15 years in Scottish football. He was like, flying the flags. So it was a shame from that point of view that um, he's had to give up. I hope he gets back in the game soon. He's a good, he's a good guy. Absolutely, no, absolutely. He has experience and players really liked him, and, and and just at times, you know, when you think you're getting into a wee run, something comes along, you get a couple of wee injuries, you know, and then you you lose a couple of games, and then you're fighting against it again, and it's just the level you're at, and that's the way it is. But a lot of good young players there who I think can maybe even progress a wee bit further. But with this pandemic, are they going to be allowed to do that? I don't know. It's it's going to be pretty difficult for them to kind of step up again because you you do still. Believe it or not, get young guys who want to progress in the senior leagues instead of taking the quick buck and then doing to the teams that are maybe sitting in the Lowland League or whatever, the, yeah. the teams that are offering a wee bit more money. So um, it's a shame, but um, they couldn't finish the season, obviously. But um, no, I hope they stick in and, and, and they get their breaks, you know, because if, if, if you go in there, it's, it's worthwhile because you can maybe make a wee career for yourself, you know, and go a wee bit further. Is there any guys there in particular then you would say to watch out for? I'm, um, I'm I'm really impressed with young Daniel Scarley. It came from Kilmarnock, he, right. kind of winger, but he can play just off the front as well. A terrific free kick on him, um, tricky. Um, I know that there has been a couple of teams interested in him, but he wants to go back full time again, and maybe that opportunity's not going to not going to happen that way. Um, there's another couple of uh, burn up front, good striker, um, quick, can put the ball away, and uh, a couple of younger guys as well in the in the team who. Kevin gave a chance, and just sometimes, sometimes it just an inexperience. It would maybe cost the team, but he didn't. He, he always stuck with them and, and played them because we've all been young and we've all tried to get into teams, and that's what it's all about. You've got to learn yeah. your training. So um, no, they, they, we'll see how they get on. You know, they're in the process of trying to get a new manager at the minute, aren't they? So we'll see who gets appointed there. I've heard a few names branded about, but I'm, I'm not too sure who'll get that job. So you want to kind of continue coaching next year as well, like somewhere. I'm I'm uh, I'm dying because it's it's we're sitting in the house the last few weeks on Tuesday or Thursday night and uh, it's you know the winters don't get me wrong I've not really missed the name too much but you know it just shows you how much you miss it when you're away from it and I'm sure there'll be a lot of guys chopping at the bit at the minute as well to, to get back out there and get back training again because um, training every day especially I was lucky enough to be full time for, for quite a long time and it's the best job in the world you know absolutely best job in the world even when you're you know, part-time and the difficulty is, you've probably spoke to Kevin about it and other part-time managers, because the guys have been grafting all day, 
you've got to make it interesting for them coming to training. You know, you've got to make it really mm -hmm. interesting, get them to enjoy it. And if it becomes a, a, a kind of slog as a part-time player, then you're not in it. It's not there. It's not in your heart. You've just got to keep battling on and trying, you know, try and progress as far as you can. Yeah, I think Kevin was even saying about the likes of like players are coming in from a day's work and they've maybe had a no, not had a good day. It's not just about being a, a manager or a coach. It's about being a, yeah. a friend that someone to confide in to yeah. make sure they're all right and all that type of thing. Yeah, so I, I've noticed that over the years since, since way back, maybe, you know, just getting into the 2000s, you, you're actually becoming a social worker at times with some of the boys, yeah. you know, um, not just a football manager. But as usual, you get good managers who are good man managers. You get guys that are different altogether. They'll treat things differently. I came across, I don't know how many managers in my career, 20 odd or something. So I've kind of seen a full range of that and there's been good guys and there's been most of the good guys, if you've got to say something else there, well, I better not. She's like me that swears. That's why I've probably saying the same thing about me. <laughs> but but um, no, but that's just the way it is. And, and, and listen, you hold your hand up. If it doesn't work out and you say it's not worked out, but you're away, we can sell you or whatever. That doesn't happen much now. Boys, you know, a lot of guys don't get sold as much now. But um, no, you just left and, and you always leave in good terms. You never know when they might need you again. That's what kind of happens if you can trust guys. Yeah. Can I find that managers will get this, maybe use the same guys, you know, you've probably seen it in junior, but a junior manager comes in and brings a boy for Arthurley or for whatever, um, to, to, because you can trust them. And that's the way it works at senior as well. Senior, senior's the same. Uh, I mean, junior, you can attend to find you'll get a manager will move and maybe about five or six players will move with them because it's yeah, generally a yeah. year contract. Happens, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, kind of touching on dressing rooms changing then. I mean, how big a change do you see a dressing room now compared to when you started back in mid-80s? Um, a lot. I was terrified, to be quite honest. I think there's a bit of cockiness about the boys now, isn't there? They all think they've made it. I mean, you've, you've heard all the the managers and even Brendan Rodgers touching on it when he was up here. You know, the, the parents and people saying that they play for Celtic when they don't play for Celtic. I mean... I work with a couple of guys and, and, and they're telling me, you know, do you know the guy who used to play for Celtic such and such? And I go, I, I, don't, I don't know that guy. And it's like, it's this thing that they didn't play for Celtic. They maybe were there as a youth or they were there at under 18s or whatever. And I think that's changed a lot. I think, um, I think respect as well. I don't think there's as much respect. When I was going into the dressing room at Clyde Bank, it was um, Mike Lamarck was there and I really looked up to him. He, he was brilliant for me. Um, Jim Fallon was great as well. Good advice for these guys. And I was terrified to make a mistake. And that's how I think I did really progress through that team. Although, old Jack used to, whatever, Sammy Henderson, he'd just play one up front all the time at Clydebank, and that didn't suit my style of play at all. But Because he was banging the goals in for the reserves, but didn't really get the chance at the first team. But when you look at the guys as well, the, you know, they were real good pros, real good pros at that time. And don't forget, they in the Premier League. You know, at that time, 85, 86 season, I think it must have been. So, um, you know, they're a real good side. But nowadays, I think just the players are... They've came, maybe, like I was saying about young Daniels, came for Kilmarnock. Other guys are came for Hearts. Came for, you know, the Hibs. And they're going down the, the levels. But they've not got the hunger or the heart to try and get back up to that level over it. I find that a lot. And it's really frustrating. Because the guys are good enough to do it. Yeah. But they just think they're better than what they are. And it's, it's frustrating, you know, it's frustrating, really frustrating to watch. You see that plenty of times in the juniors as well, players coming from the seniors into the juniors thinking it'll be a, a walk in the park and they shouldn't yeah. find out that's not the case. No, but absolutely. 
absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So um, no, but the other flip with that is got to clubs like Queens Park, where we Stuart Kettlewell moved on, and you know we we Derek Cargary moved to Rangers, although he got a bad injury. Some of the boys, um, Ross Clark, went to Arlo and done a wee bit, run about a few teams. It's good to watch the younger guys going and making a wee bit of a career for themselves. I think Frankie Carroll went to Stenhousemuir as well for Queen's Park. So he gave it a go. David uh, David Wellston went yep, to St. Johnston. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of young guys that have came through there and, and, and done really well for themselves. Plus, they've got a wee bit of advantage now as well because of the noises coming out of Lesser Hamden, shall we say. The, maybe they've gone full-time with the know, and now, now they'll start to maybe reap the benefits of selling guys to clubs instead of just, you know, giving them away because they were an amateur outfit. So, they might like, find themselves maybe going up the leagues a wee bit, but as you hit on it earlier on, you've also got the Cove Rangers and all these teams that have got a wee bit of cash to spend, so they might try and find their way up the leagues as well. So it's very interesting, as long as as long as long boys, they, they keep this Logan League thing going, because I was champing at the bit for that, and then with this season, it made me look as if and another lot of my pals, that were talking a lot of rubbish when the teams were going to get the most, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was speaking there at a wee dinner in, in Bob Roy, um, my, my mate's uh, assistant, my one of the assistant coaches, assistant manager there, and uh, we were talking about that where Rob Roy would want to go through the Logan League, and there was a big audience, there was a big audience of people, and, and I was saying to them that the Rob Roy will become a Logan League team or whatever, trying to get into the league, but the, the, the history will not be away, the history is still there, it's like playing yeah. bank, trying to become that senior team again. It's the same guys go to watch them, the same players, the same strips, yeah. nothing's changing, the boardroom will be the same, your cups. You just want to try and progress the club as a as a community, and Definitely. I think it can only be good for the community. Yeah. Brilliant, bigger crowds, maybe bigger teams coming, and 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 maybe even starting up a smaller academy with young guys coming through want to play for Curtin Phillips or Roy, things like that. You know, you think you can Lake or Lithgow yeah. Rose or A teams. They've got big big supports, so it can only benefit them. Why, oh, definitely, I will do. Yeah. Um, so you you're kind of thinking positively in terms of this West of Scotland setup. In favour of it? I think, well, well East Cobride have just appointed um, Regeranti and, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Exton Barton boy. Exton Barton manager, so. Oh, Steve Aitken. Steve Aitken and his brother have went, sorry, Fish and Raff. And, and, and mm-hmm. they're positive. And I'll, I'll tell you the reason why, because Stevie always, he's got a good job, he's wanting to be part-time manager, he'll, he'll be quite happy there in building and try to get them into it, because East Kilbride, in my opinion, East Kilbride have kind of blew it over the last few years, I think East Kilbride should be a football league team at this moment in time, but they've blew it and, and they're no, so it's getting more difficult with other teams coming into it, who have got a wee bit of money, uh, and it's getting more competitive, so I think he'll be a good fit for them, I think they'll do well under him, if they can get the players in that he wants to get in. Why you think of the size of East Kilbride as well? Like it's almost I know that they've not had a team in the senior leagues before now, but yeah, they've always suffered from a lot. A lot of people. Yeah, they've always been there or thereabouts. They've always been there or thereabouts, but they've just not got over that last. I mean, the penalty kick situation at Cowden Heath a few years ago, and I think that took the wind out of the sails of a lot of people, and they kind of faltered a wee bit after that, you know, because it was so close. But you know, maybe they'll go up this year. The BSC had a good run in the Scottish Cup last year, didn't they? And they're, they're a decent team as well. And yep. And obviously the Kelty situation, and you've got Bonnie Rig Rose who have got a fantastic support as well. So, um, you know, it's going to be very difficult, and, and, and whoever goes up for that league deserves to go up. It's as simple as that. Yeah, definitely. It's just a shame they're not getting that opportunity, um, and that's the biggest bugbear for me. I mean, it's 
I mean, as much as I feel for like um, the heart situation, the plastic thistles are big, a big one as well in Stranraer. Yeah. But the biggest problem for me is that Rory and Kelty aren't getting the opportunity to um, fight for promotion. Um, and I don't see, I think um, the Morton chief executive, Dave McKinnon, said that he would allow, he would want, he proposed a playoff between, just a, um, at a neutral venue between Rory and Kelty and the winner plays Beacon. Why they can't do that in within five days, I don't know, but it's, to me, it's all fear factor and yeah. a bit of greed from the League Two clubs. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think, um, I think you mentioned this as well. I mean, they've got a game in hand. No one even did they play that game in hand because Inverness were in the Scottish Cup. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, I've all argued about it. Me and my mates have all fell out about this. You know, I mean, Hearts are wanting this situation, they're wanting that other. She's wanting the, the, all these different leagues, 14, 14, whatever. But, but they won four games all season. Um, Celtic were awarded the league. I don't know what your opinions are on that, but you know, me and my mates have fought over that again. But we're 13 points ahead. The Rangers come back a different team after Christmas. But they've only themselves to blame. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it's, it's worked out, and it's just the way that this pandemic's changed the face of Scottish football, and, and, that, and that's it. So I think Hearts have got a situation now. They just need to accept relegation. That's it. Yeah. There's nothing else going to happen. But for the other teams, these wee teams that have threw their money at it, they've went their full whack, Kelty, exactly, you know, Brora, whatever, and and, and no be given a chance, I think, is, is, is pretty much disgraceful, to be quite honest. Same with Thistle, feel terrible for them. They pumped in over £130,000, just after Christmas, to try and stave off relegation, and they're not getting the chance to do it. So, you know, but if we just go, that's it, that's the rules, so that's the way it goes, and you can't, you know, you can't come back or there's no come back because if you're going to relegate Hearts then this will have gone to stay doing or they're going to get relegated and then these two teams are only going to get up so you can't have one rule for one team and know the other ones and that's what the problem is I think. Yeah. It's a major bugbear of the pyramid system anyway in terms of there's a, a lack of opportunity for the teams to get into the main leagues. It's very much still almost like it's within touch resistance for teams but they can't quite get over that line because it's only the one position that's there and it's not even guaranteed. I think that's a, a frustration. I don't think yeah. the team at the bottom of League 2 should get that second chance. Um, no, no. And I think as well, I think it's the only league, well, well, up to a couple of years ago, I think it was the only league where East Kilbride had won it and had to play the higher league team. Why, why is the team, why are they just not promoted? No, why is it not, why, why, why are they two teams just not promoted and the bottom two in the league you're doing or, You know, it's, you win a league, you should get promotion, not in a playoff. It's got, You've got a season, you've worked hard for it. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a big it's a big bugbear and we could talk all night about the problems with Scottish football, but um I think we need a few nights of that to be honest. So um <laughs> come back to <laughs> yes. Um but come back to um your own career. So after Clyde Bank um, you moved on to Albion Rovers where you properly started making your name, helped them to promotion to the second tier in uh, Eight, 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 nine. Um, just summarise what it was like getting um, promotion. Um, I, I, I went in a, it was Tommy Gamble that signed me. And uh, right. it's fantastic. I was in awe. I think Tom so took, him in, took me into his office in Buchanan Street. And my wife and my girlfriend then, and we went in together. And he says, There's a couple of hundred quid a week. You're selling holiday, you know, if you want to sign. And I went, <laughs> I just showed you how four, three hundred quid got you in eight days, didn't it? You know? <laughs> And uh, I said, oh, brilliant. And uh, that was me. I, was, I left Clyde Bank and 
wasn't getting a chance there. I'd been there that long time and wasn't he, and I said, I need to move on. And um, Tommy came in for us and I went. And the reason I signed is because one of the guys, local big Tony Gallagher, that used to play for them, he stayed near us and that kind of thing. And I knew a couple of boys there. So it all kicked off from there. Then big Davy Proven came in and he signed a couple of players. Um, big Robert Clark, Paul McKenzie, Wolfie, for Patrick Thistle. Uh, and and we, we went ahead and we, we, we just kept winning games. And before we knew it, we were... Just after Christmas, we knew we were going to win the league. It was going for a joke team who, who as you know, Albion Rovers were always that team that were fighting relegation, or not even relegation, just doing the bottom of the league for years and years. And uh, to win in the league and winning it quite convincingly, I think Arlo were pretty close right enough. I think they caught us near the end of the season, but it was, it was absolutely brilliant. It was brilliant for the town. It was great for all the players. And, and uh, everybody had wrote us off. And, and you know, we were... We were by far the most dominant team in the league that year. Good guy to work under then, David Proven. You must have had good, good wide players anyway. David was on. Oh, like I'll tell you a quick story about that. We were in the play St. Johnson just after we get promoted, actually. And uh, I think David was great. He was great. I must admit, he was really good with me, you know, and he, he, he helped me a lot. But Paul McKenzie had signed his Me and Paul had to be, that was my pal. That was my, my wingman. We used to get drinking together kind of thing, you know, on a Saturday <laughs> night after a win. Into the tune. And, uh, because it was so long after McDermott Park opened. Remember, they used to get six, seven thousand, believe it or not, there when it was first opened. And that. So, mm-hmm. Albion Rovers come to town, six and a half thousand or something. And we got an absolute doing. We got we a doing. And uh, we're in the shower after it, and Big Davy comes in and starts <laughs> taps on at me and Paul, right in my face, you know. He turned around to get his shampoo or something, and <laughs> Wolfie says to me, I think I could take him. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you better leave it, Paul. We're not, we're not going to get anywhere with that. No, soon after that, he was away to Falkirk. The manager got rid of him. Um, and that was that. We, 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 didn't, we won a few games. and was, but I, think, I think the games were on the telly that season as well, which was a, hmm. was a first for, for all the leagues. Remember they showed all the leagues? Remember but, um, they showed they, your game against Clyde Bank. Um, that's the one that sticks out. You lost 4-3. Right, but that was, that, uh, Broomfield, yeah, I understand. That was your problem, John. That was your problem. We, we, we managed to find the net a few times, but... You couldn't keep the ball out the net, you know, so it was uh, two, three twos and, you know, four threes, as you say, kind of thing. But um, there's some good teams in that league then, some good players. I mean, going Coyle still playing with Clyde Bank, Kennedy, obviously, you mentioned. Um, we did manage to beat Air United a couple of times, and that's obviously where Ali McLeod seen me. And I moved at the end of that season when they got relegated and, and uh, moved to Air United. So that was, uh, that was me. That was me up and running. That was me away. I think Albion Rovers got a few quid for me, which... I don't think they get a few quid for anything anywhere, you know. So I mean, they were quite happy to get get me away on my way, and uh, that was me away to Air United. So uh, under under Ali, so gone for Tommy Gamble, Big Davy Proven at Rangers, and then the Ali McLeod was a bit of a, my dad couldn't believe it. He thought this was absolutely brilliant. All these legends that I was I was hanging about with. So it was it was good stuff. Some 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 cracking stories. Ali was absolutely fantastic, brilliant. Whatever anybody thinks about him or. You know, he was he was brilliant. What a guy. Fantastic guy to be, be around. He just just that aura about him. You know, he could he, he would walk into his restroom room and everybody was silent just waiting on what he was going to say and it wasn't he? It wasn't very productive at times, but it, it meant something, you know, he would go around a couple of individuals and this is what we're going to do and go out and enjoy it and this is what it's all about and he was a brilliant guy, absolutely brilliant. And I really love my time doing it here. 
Yeah, that's good. I mean, there were a few months you were playing in the cup final. Um, it was supposed to be a one-off, um, the Challenge Cup at that point. It was supposed to be the Centenary Cup, um, and it's now yeah. continued ever since. Um, yeah. Tracking game by lots of things, but Billy Dodds was the difference. Yeah, played in the first two finals, you beat the two of them. So there you go, that was magic, wasn't it? I can't remember, I think it was about 11,000, 12,000 in the game. Uh, we Dodgy, was, was, he was brilliant, brilliant player. Keith fighting him up front, kind of ran him off a wee bit. But we were in the game, we were in the game. V2, um, I think it was after extra time, wasn't it? I think it was something like that. And we Dodgy was hat trick hero, I think, and we, we, we get beat, and that was it. But the next year, um, I managed to score a few goals. We done well in the cups where we got the final again against Hamilton Ackies and it was big Billy McLaren that was the manager. And mm-hmm. Hamilton had big George McCluskey playing for Mandy Millen at the back, Jim Weir. They were a good side. Real Paul McDonald was at the wing. A real good Colin Miller right back. I can name them off. And uh, they just stifled me. That was the plan. Mandy Millen told me years later. Just went, just let Ali win it and just pick up every other second ball, you know. And they beat us 1-0. And I think it was big Colin Harris that scored a free kick in that game. I think there was about 11, 12,000 there. We were, don't know where all the Hamilton fans are now, you know. They were up, up talking for that game, that cup final. But they could beat again, and I thought, I'm not going to win anything doing it here. I'm not going to win a thing. And uh, Josh Burley came in, and, 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 and he was brilliant for me, absolutely brilliant. Him and his pal, Dale Roberts, who they played at Ipswich together. Um, and Dale used to work with me every day after training, out in the park. And it really, you know, I scored, I scored a bit. I can't imagine, 20 odd, 21 goals one season, 17 the next season, and then um, then I moved on again, that was me away again for, for a big fee, and they were quite happy about that, but no, I loved it, I loved it doing it here, I loved going down there still, I used to love going down reporting the games and seeing it, and it's, it's always a good playing surface, supporters are always there, and it's, it's a good wee atmosphere, you know, and I know a lot of teams still like going down there, the wee journey down to here, down to Somerset, to, to, to play against them. Um, so that was really enjoyable times, brilliant times. Yeah, I love there as a place. Um, the the beaches, but do, but do you know that is one ground I've never been to. I'm quite ashamed to say that. Um, I've not been to Somerset Park yet. Oh man, come on, get yourself down there. It's brilliant. I'll get your ticket. Hi. Hi. It's one of the best places to watch football. Definitely. Aye. Good, good class. Classic good. old ground. Yeah. 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 Totally agree with you. It's, it's all right. Don't get me wrong. By the way, they can be quite. You can boo you and all. Your name gets read out. Number nine, Ali Graham. It's your home team. Are booing you, the supporters? Yeah, they can be quite. They can be quite savage at times, but no, they love the fit we're doing there. And I used to always the the air racing was on. I was saying to a couple of boys when I first joined, there was a crowd a day. They went, they came in at half time after the last race across the road. So you can go and watch the horse racing, and you can watch it at about half time. So, um, no, a great place. Really good. Loved it doing there. Fantastic. Did they make you train the beach at all? Ali took us down a couple of times. Um, had us rolling in it and all that kind of stuff. As if we were skate for cold, it's, we're rolling about in the sand, doing these odd different exercises. And I think um, I think he fell out with a few people doing there. I can't really mind the full story, but a couple of supporters. And eventually, George Burley, that's when George Burley had come in and he'd come up for his first job. You know, he was at uh, Motherwell and him and we, Tam, were kind of best of pals there so they kept in tow with him and I think that was the reason why I ended up going there because I'd heard there was another couple of teams interested in me um, after I'd moved to Motherwell by the way no and in those days you didn't have an agent there was nobody looking after you you just went in and spoke to the manager yourself and he basically told you what you were getting 
And if you were a wido, you could maybe argue a wee bit. And if you weren't, you just took what you were getting. So that was the problem, you know. But um, no, good, good stuff. Good, good down there. Good players down there. Um, and I, I actually went back there a few years later when uh, Gordon Dale took the job on. I went back. Okay. And, but he yeah, was the time when they had all the French players there. You know, it was about 40 guys. Um, do you see me guys? Aye. Yeah. Aye. Um, there was about 40 odd French players all hanging about at the time and they, they some agent to to, um, to get them in. So um, it was difficult to get a game there before I had to move again. But that was a few years later. But no, great stuff. Good, good, good doing it here. Really loved it. Good wee club. Uh, what about the game you dropped your shorts and you scored? Well, well, there's a wee story behind that one, John. <laughs> That's uh, big. Uh, who, who's the big centre back that played with Celtic? And he, he joined the Polis. Celtic. Ah, he played with Celtic, the big centre back, and he, he joined the Polis. Uh, I'll come to me. We got up for a header with him at the back post. Now was that at the Somerset end, or was that at the, the front of the St Mirren supporters? Well, it was an air fan that said to me. He said it was one of his mates. He said, "Aye, oh, the game it." I think they they went down to eight men or something like that. They got a couple sent off. Aye. Well, I thought it was the St. Mirren, the St. Mirren end that I'd done it to. But if it was the air fans that were giving me stick, I think I scored and I just dropped my kegs. So <laughs> the police the the came into the dressing room after the game and there was an official complaint. And I just told them that the centre-back had pulled my shorts as I went up for a header. And they went, OK, then they bother, we'll not take it any further. <laughs> there you go. It wasn't my bare bum, by the way. It was, it was, I had a pair of pants on, so if that makes it any better. <laughs> uh, and the other, other memory as well that he had was the the hand of God, the hand of David match. I think Tommy Bryce scored the winner. I can't even mind that one. Think that? You pl- he thinks you played in that. Um, don't know, maybe the air shot. Tommy Bryce was some player, by the way. Tommy Bryce was a player. Yeah. Yeah. Size five feet, three twenty feet. He had he used to dance around players. It's fantastic player. Him and Peter Weir were doing there at the same time. Um, Pierre, yeah, was a player. Aye. Did they mention? Did they mention the team we were playing in that that game? I think it was Kelly. at Ayrshire Cup final. David Kennedy oh. stopped a Kelly goal by handling it. Right. Okay. We won it. I scored the winner. I think I scored the winner on that oh. game. My dear, I think we won that, and we beat Kelly, and there was a good crowd there. And that's right, David Kennedy. David Kennedy was the type of guy that he was a, a cracking fullback for us. But he's a right. He works with the the, the air. He does the air United TV now with him. He commentates in the game, boys. You know. And, uh, but you had to tell him he was injured. He didn't know he was injured. He just played on. Baby, you're injured. <laughs> his leg hanging off. You know, he's running up and down the line. Or his shoulders away or whatever, you know. And you go, Davey, you're dislocated your shoulder. Or whatever. And he's away, you know. So he was just one of the guys that wanted to play all the time. He was brilliant. And you could write. By the way, I think he played the full season at right back, Davey. Up and down the line. One of the first guys i actually seen doing that. Just, you know, the wing back thing. And uh, he was a machine, and he used to have a place called Minishin. Aye, I know. Amateurs, the amateur team was supposed to be decent, eh? Aye. So, uh, that's when he came for, he came for Minishin Amateurs, and he went to Air United for there, so he's a bit of a kind of hero down there, being a local wrestler boy. Good boy. Aye. Good. And a god. And a David. <laughs> good memories. Brilliant. Really good. How did the move to Motherwell come about then? Was it Tommy McLean uh-huh. too? Well, that was a fix, wasn't it? That was a total fix. That was uh, that was me, George Burley, and it was Bobby uh, Bobby Russell. After training, come in and says, "Did you got air tomorrow?" The mother woke tomorrow, and I went, "What? We're in the shower." Just after training, I says to him, 
what are you talking about? He says, oh, we Tom's been in touch with, with George and it's all fixed, you're gone. So I've agreed a fee and all that. And this is, you know, this is what I'm telling you about how it's changed. I mean, you move about for hundreds of thousands of pounds to clubs where the clubs get the money. Yeah. That money's no revolving around about Scottish football anymore. And it's, no. it seems to have stopped and the players are kind of dictating. And I think that's wrong for the players because you think they're better than what they are then, you know. Um, I can remember I can remember moving to Motherwell Wraith, it was £120,000 or something like that. And, and some, me, Danny Lennon came in, he didn't cost anything, he got me a signing on fee to help me. And I went, what? Said, you came for nothing. So that was the way it worked, you know. Um, we didn't have agents or nothing, as I said to you. I went in to see me, Tommy McLean, I got sent up to Firth Park. There's a big massive office and he just said, pull your chain in. And I was actually sitting on it on one of the ones you got with the chair at his table. And he says, that's what I can offer you. And that's your wages. Do you want to sign? He says, of course I'll sign. Brilliant. And um, then you have a mobile phone. There's a wee phone round the corner. A phone booth round the corner. Oh, you phone? We went in the phone boxes. Aye, aye, the red phone box. There's a tool shop just next to it. I can't remember the name of it. And uh, like he's doing on the phone, the missus, and I says, that's us. Chinese deal, meals a night. That's <laughs> <laughs> rice and chips, rice and chips. <laughs> and I signed, and then um, we played Dundee shortly after that, and David Holmes, who used to be the Rangers chairman. Aye, aye. <laughs> he said Dundee were after us, and Kilmarnock were in for us as well at the same time, so I didn't know that, you know, because I think uh, playing for, that, that's one of the things that I always wanted to do, was to play for one of the city teams, if I, if I was good enough to play for them. Yeah. And if Dundee had come in for me, I would have definitely have went to Dundee, there's no doubt about it, absolutely went to Dundee. But you, think, you hear about these things later on, you know, and Pete Tommy was funny with me, just played a certain, you know what he's like, he's, he's a great, great manager. Could he communicate with players? Could he communicate with me? Absolutely not. Um, man management skills, none. But he had his favourites. And I was an outsider after he'd won the Scottish Cup, 91, 92. I go 92, 93. I didn't fit in. I just didn't fit in. David Cooper was brilliant. It was a pleasure to actually just watch him and train and play him a few times. Um, for O'Donnell, young boys, me McGrillan coming through. A good, good team. But he had his he had his Stevie Cooks and his Chris McCarts, his his guys, Jamie Dolan at the time. That was his favourites and I just didn't fit in, you know. And it was a big, big squad he had as well and he was trying to irritate it at times. Dougie Arnott would always start, tremendous wee player, but he would always start even if he was struggling. And uh, <laughs> the funny story is that it was a season when Marvel finished second in the league. So they finished second in the league. So the bonus system got put up in the wall at the start of the season and for talking sake it was like a thousand pound a point you know if you're in the top two it's me times like that I'll never be in the top two right so you get a thousand pound a point what a game we've won and uh, we, we, we finished second we were up there all season we were up there I left I actually left but um, during, uh, towards the end of it but we were up there all season and I think we man couldn't believe it we were going to finish here obviously getting to Europe but uh, that was the time as well when the the, the substitutes changed, John. You know, the substitutes changed to three. To two. So big Barry Thompson's in the reserve. Goalkeeper. Well, he's a cracking guy. Brilliant, right? What a funny, funny guy. And he's like that. Oh, it's again. Sam says, what I'm going to do, boys, is I'm just going to split the bonus. So see, two years, we'll split it between three. And I went, what? So what was happening, boys? You were probably going to as a sub. 
Dougie Arnott would pull a groin after five minutes. He would get the full bonus. I'd play 85 minutes and have to split it with Barry Thompson and Ian Ferguson. So it wasn't, it wasn't a great uh, deal for me. It, was, it wasn't <laughs> the best deal, you know. But uh, Big Barry was laughing because you never got on all season and they got the bonus every week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant stuff. Really good. Was it frustrating but, um, then? Was it frustrating then going there and then obviously not playing? But think it wasn't his signing then? No, I think I think was it, I think I always done well against Miller. We played them a couple of teams in the cups and scored a few goals against them. So you know, I mean, a couple of people, a couple of supporters went. It's about time. I've been watching you for a while. It's about time you signed. And just I think I went. What happened was I went there, played a couple of games. I always remember my first game against Rangers. Get, get hammered four 0 but I had a shot for about 35 yards on my left foot and Gorham tipped it onto the bar. And I always think, see if that had went in, that, that would have been, that's, we Tommy says to me, first impressions, first impressions last. Go out there and impress the supporters. And I think if that had went in, I would have been, I'd have, I'd have boost of confidence for me, obviously. It might not have ended up 4-1, it might have been a draw or whatever, you know. The Rangers dominated after that and Gorham tipped it, what a save, it was a tremendous save. And, uh, then I got booked the next game and I'd accumulated bookings for United and I get suspended for three games. And that was the start of it. You know, the team went on a wee run and I couldn't get back in. And I eventually did get back in and then I got injured. And then it was just one thing after the other after that. But we went down to, we used to go down to training big time. We used to take us down to Spiddycroft. And then we come back up the road and I get felt I was at the train that day. I went, okay. And that's when a wee Tam said to me, Jimmy Nichols in for And And I says, well, okay, I'm, I'm quite happy to talk to him. Again, I didn't know if there was anybody else interested or whatever, but it was funny because I left. I'd agreed to go and uh, talk to him. I went and spoke to Jimmy. Um, just go far from Fourth Bank Stadium, Stirling's a week and a Brewers Fair there, a week and a... Right. you can get and eat via tell place. Aye. Met him in there, agreed terms with myself. and just I knew the boys that I was travelling with. I knew the boys that travelled up for eight at the time. Good bunch of boys. And I knew the young boys that he had coming through, Dares, Camerons, um, Crawford, and that kind of thing. I thought, this is quite an exciting time for me. And went back, I got all my boots, Deodora boots at the time, 20 boxes, tracksuits. I'm coming out the door, and Big Tam's just coming, Big Tam for size, just coming back to the training. He's where are you going? I says, I'm away to Rafe Rollers, Tam, he went, nobody tells me anything at this club. Trading, <laughs> man. He thought he was stealing all the boots, not that, you know? <laughs> He's a loving Tom, I'm not fitting deals. <laughs> but he was brilliant, wished me all the best and away I went. Um, and then I think the first game, one of the first games was against Motherwell and they absolutely trounced us. And I thought, they all been in the restroom and gave me a stick, you know what I mean? Because I was giving him a wee bit of stick before the game. But no, I had to move, boys. I had to get away and, 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 and play. I had to get away and play. And that was the happening at, at Motherwell for me. Although, um, I met some great guys. One of my best pals that I grew up with, Robert McKinnon, he we grew up, we moved up to East Kilbride for Glasgow at the same time. Um, it was great playing with him for a while, you know, and he, he, he went on to do tremendous things. He moved to Holland and, and, and he's different classes of players, so no, it was good to travel with him every day and see that. But then I went into the Mad Motorway, um, up to Wraith Rovers with John McStay, Gordon Dale, Peter Harriston and Ronnie Coyle. That was, that was who I travelled with. So... Uh, one of the guys asked that question, John. I think no, I there. It was, a, it was a difference, and it was just a, it was just a good feeling. Everything was see training compared to Motherwell area. It was five sides. It was a bit of crossing and finishing, a couple of wee sprints, 
it was and it was the fittest ever was. At Motherwell, it was all functions. Everything was a function. You were stoning for a while. You were waiting for things to happen. You would do it. You would stop it. And it wasn't it, it wasn't me. This up here was just total enjoying your football, getting involved, and some good players up there. And we got a week in a formation that Jimmy liked. Um, he would play me up the centre and get Dazwin about me or Stevie Crawford that was coming through. Colin Cameron, magnificent player, by the way. Absolutely magnificent. I don't know if you've seen a guy who's been putting on a lot of clips and a lot of goals. Anyway, I was involved in the, the two, and two and a half years I was there. And me, Cameron, just knew every time when the ball got up to me, he would just sprint off me or just sprint across me and get in and score a lot of goals. He was brilliant at arriving. He couldn't get picked up because, guy, you know, you would try and match, you would try and match him and you just couldn't. He would faint you go one way and he would be away off you and he was brilliant at it. So that was just all, that was all kind of starting up there at the time. I think Jimmy seen that and although we were new to the Premier League at the time when I went up, the first game was against Aberdeen up there. You beat 3-1 with him. Um, I, I think he knew that it was going to be difficult to stay in the league that season because of the inexperience. We were still relatively inexperienced um, at that level. And, and, and there's a big jump to the Championship at that time to the to the Premier League. You know, there's a massive jump because some, some players, some good players are, are playing against them. And you remember the Rangers team at that time as well. I mean, yeah. I think we spending money back then as well. Well, exactly, and Aberdeen were flinging money about as well, Aye. weren't they? They were on the good side as well, and Celt- Celtic, were, Celtic were, were just going through that wee transition period, weren't they? They weren't they brilliant, but they, were, they could still beat you easy, you know, they could, you couldn't get the ball off them at times, one of these places, so a real good good experience for us. But the young guys were growing and growing and growing with that experience every week, and you could see it in some of the performances and some of the goals. We get some teams are doing, but then we would go to the teams that we were fighting against and we couldn't do it, you know, and then we would rise against Rangers again and we would, it was just one of these seasons and we get relegated, that we get relegated and and that was a big blow, that was a big blow to everybody too, are we done? And you'll know yourself that the next season when we were in the, the, the first division, it started terribly, we couldn't win a game, we were, we were, it, was, it was like a headache, it was like a hangover, you know, and we were getting the odd draw here and an odd 1-0 and it wasn't sitting too good, we were maybe fourth fifth boat in the league for a long time. And then we went to, to Dingwall to play Ross County in the cup. And it all kicked off. We battered them. We started to get a bit of um, momentum behind us. The next cup game. We Did you score a hat-trick that day? I scored a hat-trick at, at Ross County, aye. And, uh, they were up and coming. They were like they were probably like your teams, your Celtics coming up the new kind of thing at the time. Aye. They were probably up and coming new team at the time, you know. <laughs> and, um, we battered them. Then we played, I think we played Kilmarnock. Yeah. Um, and, and we came and got a hat-trick that game. Meanwhile, we were still starting through the league season. <laughs> we could be seeking on a string of wins together, you know. But No, that, that was a fantastic run. And we kept getting better and better until, obviously, the semi-final against Airdrie and, and then the final against Celtic. And that, that really spurred us on. And I think, I, I can remember Gordon DL scoring a goal every, every game we played. He seemed to score. It was just one of the runs that was... It was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and and we, we, we didn't fear anybody. We didn't fear anybody at that time. Uh, yeah, you've obviously touched on the Coca Cup run, so you can throw the, the games against Ross County um, and and Kilmarnock, which was seen as an upset. Then you go to St Johnson and beat them three one to get the semi final. Was it at that yeah. point you believed 
we can actually go on and do this? Or was it only when you got to the final itself that that happened? Oh, well, you just seem to get through a round. You threw a round and then you look at the next game. That's the way I always done it. We didn't, we, we didn't look too far ahead. You just start to believe a wee bit in yourself. You, know, you, you, you see the results coming in for that competition and you look at who's left in the cup. You know, uh, the Rangers get knocked out. You know, that's Rangers at the cup. So you, you're, you're kind of, that's one of the big obstacles at the road, you know. Wonder who we're going to get in the next round. The St. Johnson game, for instance, we won 3-1. That was, that was, that was a right we battered them that night. It could have been more. Um, but the interesting thing was that we, when we left to go to the park, we were staying at a hotel somewhere in Dollar or something. I can't remember exactly where it was. But we went on the bus to go to the game. Everybody's one of the head counts. Everybody on the bus, aye, let's go, right? We're pretty nervous going and all that. And we get to the park. We had to make Dermot Park. And uh, we'd left Davy Neary in the hotel. He was not on the bus. He didn't speak, John. He didn't speak. I think I was the only man who spoke to him. Nobody spoke to him. Was that quiet he guy? Ah, oh, quiet as there. You put a note under his door, done in 10 minutes, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> for his dinner in 10 minutes. The, the chef, the chef had to drive him out of the park. Brilliant. <laughs> 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 That's brilliant. And after that game, after that game, I says to him, so I was in the semis, Davy, big sash. That's was in the semis, sash. He went, I can't believe it. I says, when you sign for Reith Rovers, right, we're going to be in a semi-final in a major tournament. He went, no, absolutely not. So obviously, you know, we go on again and we get to the, the semi-final. Um, one each way, every wee pot's come on. Scott Thompson, I don't know if ever seen the highlights here. To this day, I still don't know what Scott Thompson did. He didn't need to try and catch the ball there. He could have waited till he was in his box. He gets sent off. Me pots come going. <laughs> and it's back to this. Jimmy Nicholl always used to say, it's fixed Bayonets, you know. And it was. But we'll just hear them living away. I went back to centre half. And we'll just hear them kicking while we were facing. We tried to get through. The boy Cooper hits an absolute cracker, one each. And it goes on the extra time. And we're hanging on again. And then, obviously, the penalties. And, and the wee man saved the penalty. So we came running off the park and it was quite, the boys had him up with shooters and all that, you know, we potsy. And uh, we began to dress room and sat next to Davy again and I says, I bet you when you came here you didn't think you'd be in the final of a major tournament, didn't you? And he went, no, absolutely not. So <laughs> that was us there, you know. Uh, and we, had a, we just did one hell of a party. And we, you're obviously waiting to see who you're going to get and the Celtic, obviously. So um, you're playing one of the old firm of final, you you know, it's a wee bit daunting at times, but you've got to, get, you've got to crack on. You've got to just try and do the job. And uh, But we were starting to, as I said to you earlier, build up that momentum in the league. And we were hammering a few teams. Because what is happening is you want to be playing in that final. You don't want to be left out. So see every game, whether it be Stranar away or it was Clyde Bank at Kobe or whatever at the time. You were going out and you are battering them to try and get into this team because <laughs> you didn't want to be left out the final. So that's how I think it spurred us on. Training got a bit competitive as well. Sorry? Training get a bit more competitive as well, kicking fellow the other strikers. <laughs> yeah, I'm training, absolutely. That's what it's all about. You know, sticking things in their teeth on that. <laughs> so they don't make training, you know. Um, sticking in with the manager, making the manager team. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy was good at all that stuff, you know. He kept it going, he kept it going all the time. If he could go in the huff right enough, Jimmy could go in the huff. He's quite a huffy guy. But we used to on the warm-up after the maybe draw or maybe get beat. He would do the warm-up, have you in the Monday. And you would go and do the warm up, and Jimmy would be at the front of the warm up, and we used to have to run with the pet at lip, you know. Well, next to him, and then he would 
start laughing and that was it for go again because he knew he was going to need you for the next game. So Jimmy was good at all that stuff. He kept it going and the older guys in the team kept it going as well. So we're on a good roll, on a real good roll. And obviously the finals, that was it, you know, it was, it was uh, amazing, absolutely amazing. Brilliant. Leading up to it, great. All the stuff that goes away, a major tournament. And the Coca-Cola done it right, you know, they, they mm-hmm. changed the whole of the Ibrox. It, was, it looked like a different stadium. And uh, then you walk out and you see your supporters. Because that was a good thing for us. We walked out and seen my supporters right across the old centenary stand. And they felt the whole lot of it. But then when you turn around, you see Celtic have got the rest of it. He <laughs> 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 quarters of the stadium, the Celtic fans, you know. And being, a, being a Celtic man, growing up in Glasgow, it was a kind of, God, it's, this is amazing, you know, playing against him. And you just wonder if they're going to click. But uh, as, you, as you know, they he did. Up to about four minutes to go or something, and guys managed to fall in. Only he would have followed that in. I, I, I can't think of another player that would have, maybe Coisty. But Daz followed that shot in for Jason Dare, uh, Jason Dare. And Big Marshall spilled it and he just stuck his head on it and got his right back in the game. Sure, was he said not his nose? I said it was his nose, but he says if it was his nose, he'd have burst the net. <laughs> 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 it was his nose. And uh, mentally, mentally and physically draining at that point. Mentally and physically drained. I mean, you're thinking, another half an hour to go. Somebody scores, that's it. You know, when they come back, but we absolutely battered Celtic in, in an extra time. Absolutely battered them. We just couldn't score. Um, and then again, it went to penalties, and, and you know what happened in that one. I just get, kept getting deeper and deeper in the queue. I, I, was, I was sneaking behind Dean Redford and David Neri and all that. They've never took a penalty in their life. You're not a fan of penalties at all, yet. Eh? You're not a fan of hitting I, a penalty? No, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I've got a good record of my penalties. I took them sterling, I think. I'm about 15 or scored 13 or 14, so... Uh, they bothered, but what happened in the semi-final was... I was, I can't remember, the semi, uh, semi-final, I was getting a rub after the Jerry Doherty. And Jimmy was kind of going, right, okay, so it's... And he started pointing the finger at guys, and, and I'm going, well, all right. So he's picked his five. So we'll just go down the line. And we didn't need, you know, the, then he got his sudden death. We won it. And then the penalties, he would just pick the same five players. Right, so right. That, was, that was the way it was. And, and uh, thankfully, I didn't need to take one because Tom saved Paul McStay's kick. And he'll always remember for that. But Tom saved it. But Tom tells a good story about that. Usually when you... If you, see, you watch any football game, you see the goalie saving the penalty. He gets everybody's away chasing him, didn't he? Not and jumping tap him. Yeah. Tomo got up after he saved that. And from where we were standing in the halfway line, and you look down, he didn't push Tommy Stay's penalty away. You know, it kind of bounced up. So I'm thinking, I can't see if that's in, but I just heard the, the Raid fans. So me and Sean Dennis were standing next to each other. And Tomo got up after saving it, and he looked at us all. And he just said it was like, it was like the red arrows. Everything <laughs> <laughs> was running all over the place. You didn't know what to do. You didn't know what to do. We'll just beat Celtic in a cup final. You know, you think we'd have ran to him, but we didn't. We ran. Somebody ran to supporters. I ran, I ran out of the dugout. Somebody else ran somewhere else to see if his mom was in the crowd. And Aye. all the other place. And it took us about 10, 15 minutes to all get together and <laughs> kind of realise that Tom would save the penalty. You know, so... Oh, that was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Really, really good. Really good feeling to win that. That was fantastic. Um, I seen you were sponsored at the time by Jackie's Nightclub. Um, did they let you in for free that night? 
Jackie O's, well, the semi-final, the, the, the big story semi-final is when me, Brian Potter, saved the penalty kick. We all went to Jackie O's, and we were all going into Jackie O's, and he never got in. He was too young. <laughs> so we all, chipped, we all chipped in, got him a taxi up the road, and we all went in. <laughs> but he got in for the final. <laughs> he got in for the final. I don't even think, I think they went, I all right, and you come, you know. But they were my sponsors at the time. And, and the, uh, it was a smashing strip, we threw over at the mm-hmm. time with a white one and a, a blue one, a really cracker. And Jackie was just on the front of it. And, aye, that was it. The, the place was mobbed, heaving for, for, for weeks, for weeks and weeks. And I don't know, something that you, you maybe never see really again, I'm saying, you know. I know they won the, the, the other, the, the B&Q Cup, if you like, the, 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 Mar, the, the, Mar, the Marsden, was it? The Ramsden. Oh, the, the Challenge Cup. Cup. Aye, against Rangers, didn't he? And that was fantastic. Aye, Ramsden's it was in, yeah. Aye. But um, to win a major trophy for a, for a small team like that was, was absolutely brilliant. And, like, I think it's a shame, really, that they've not had a chance to go back up to that same level. Maybe they will one day, but um, because they've got a fantastic wee stadium now, that was it was it was like, it was it wasn't even like Somerset Park. It was worse than Somerset Park, really. You know, although there was one big kind of terrace then for the race supporters, and their fans were crammed on in the other bits. Although the railway end was always open when I was there, John. You know, but they've built two big fantastic stands there now, and they've not really had a chance really in many games to fill it as much. So. I hope they get back to that again because there's a lot of good people up there and a good support and they deserve it. Yeah, definitely. And it's obviously one of the um, one of the greatest upsets in Scottish football history. But it, it kicked you guys on because you were fourth in the first division at the time. And then you go in and win the league and it was a tough division. You know, you mentioned Airdrie. Um, they reached the Scottish Cup final that season. Then fell over a strong side, played Aberdeen in the playoffs. Um, and Dundee were up there fighting as well, so I mean that was yeah. some battle to come through that. That must have been yeah. um, satisfying. Absolutely, the the Dundee thing, uh, the Dunfermline were winning the league. I think with a few points at the time. We went there midweek one, and we beat them one 0 managed to get a goal, and we started to kind of catch them. And you could see us catching, you know, the teams and, and, and getting results. And obviously after the cup final, I missed a couple of games after the cup final. I had a right. It took physically. It took. Um, Across my groin area, I couldn't walk for a couple of days after it, and I'm sore. I thought it was one of these osteoarthritis pupus that I had or something like that, and I had to go and see a specialist and all that kind of stuff. Another couple of guys, we actually played St Mirren the next home game at home after winning the cup, and I think we grew get beat 2 1, we get booed off the park <laughs> after winning a major trophy, you know. So that's how fickle fans are, isn't it? But no, we managed to catch them. I get sent off against Airdrie. In a cup game, I think I went over the last, I missed the last three games, which was really frustrating to watch because you're, you're standing watching your candidate in the Buddha. But they had to go to uh, Fur Hill, the last game of the season, needing a point, I believe. And against Hamilton Ackies, who was a stuffy side, still a good side, you know, and we had to get a point. And it was a dire game, real dire game to watch, but managed to, to draw 0 0. And, and that was us. We, we won the, thing, the, the league as well as. The cup, so you know, you forget that it's a double. We've actually done the double that year, something that a lot of teams will have on daily day. So it was great, really good, really good for the team. That was us back in the Premier League again. I because that question you alluded to earlier about the, the car mates and all that type of thing, there was a young guy. The question he was saying about 18 year old, he thought you don't realize how good things are until you get older. But that, that's the best team they've had for ever, really. Some, some, I mean, honestly, it was. I'll give you an example, you know, and Jimmy fell out with me and we're playing Dundee at, at Starts Park. And uh, the team, the team, the squad used to go up in the home dressing room. 
the Friday or the Saturday. So I just didn't get a cup of tea. So I know I'm not on it. Right? I know I'm not on it, right? But they couldn't wait. You know, they, 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 have you been inside Starts Park where they be the restrooms up? You got to the left, there's a wee corridor because they didn't tear them. Sean Dennis and Daz and David Sinclair, they're all running down to tell me, oh, you're not on the team tomorrow. Oh, you're <laughs> So they let you know about it, you know. And then I had to travel down the road with them. Give me stick all the way down the oh, road. Oh, dear. And, uh, and then Jimmy would pull, he'd pull me in the, the Monday. We'd beat 2-1. Jimmy pulled me in the Monday and he'd say, yeah, this is, this is where you used to work. You know, he'd say, that game was made for you. I don't know how I left you. So that made you go out and try hard and train and get back in the team for the next week. That was his type of thing, you know. I says, well, you pick the team, Jimmy. You're the manager. He didn't like that one. So, but I get back in the team the next week. But that was the type of guys that we had. When we were at the night out, see, Motherwell, in there, there was six or seven years that went out. If anything was organised, there was never over 12, 13 people. It was six or seven. Guy got in, he got the road early night. And at Wraith Rovers, and I think because of it was up there, all the boys from Glasgow stayed. Um, and run about Edinburgh boys all stayed the night. There was honestly, there was about 24, 25 years, wasn't it? And that was the boys that were coming through. You know, the 18, 19 year old boys that were cleaning the boots and the apprentices at the time. We were out together. Everybody went out together. And that was a, for about two and a half, three years I was there. Every single night out, it was 23, 24 It was absolutely brilliant and totally organised for, for supporters, for other people, you know. Um, Money in the kitty for the chairman, brilliant club, brilliant at the time. And uh, that was the way it was, and that's how I think we've done so well, because we, we, we all fought for each other and, and wanted the best for each other. It's something you don't really see much in football now, isn't it? Although you still get a wee bit of camaraderie in some teams, but you don't really see it with these guys that are there in the big bucks now. They don't seem to be kind of team players are in it for themselves, but we were certainly in it as a team. There was no superstars. But what, what was good to see was, boys, it was good to see... Crawford and I was disappointed in Jason Dare. I thought Jason Dare would have done done went further. Could have done fair when I, when I say that, I mean maybe England somewhere and getting the Scotland squad. Yeah. It was good to see me Colin Cameron and Stevie Crawford getting a lot of caps, getting into the Scotland squad, you know, and better myself and, 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 and you know, doing really well for ourselves. So I was delighted to be part of that. Whether I contributed, I think I did, but it was good to be part of that and, and, and see them pushing on, you know. Really good. Aye, definitely. I mean, must be some feeling no playing a cup final. Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. Nerve wracking. Everything. Your whole emotions. Big Tony Mowbray marked me that day. And we had, a, we had some battle. The game plan. I can't really tell you much about it. But I remember Jimmy saying, I don't. I, I just want you back to goal. I want you back to goal. And anything that's thrown into you, just be a nuisance. Because as soon as I've I done that, even if I didn't win it, if Tony came out of the top of me and won a header, but he wasn't getting it far. Cameron Crawford and Dave were on it like a flash. And Collins and McStay couldn't and Peter Grant couldn't match him in there. He couldn't match the three young boys. Just a finishing at times, that was what let them do their experience. A lot of the Celtic boys were experienced. Our young boys ran the ran the legs after them that day, and that was the big factor for me. So DL would, DL would always run on and they would come around the front of you and that was the plan, that was the game plan, you know, and it, it, it certainly it certainly worked. Um, although I, I didn't even have a chance that game, I don't think, I think the first goal Stevie Crawford scored, I controlled it for him. It was just a bad touch for me really, but he snapped on it and he managed to put it away. And after that, a couple of challenges on Marshall and things, but it was just, 
you're, you're scared to make a mistake in these games because you know it's the it's the you know there's a cup at stake, stake you know it's it's a big final and usually a bit of brilliance comes through. I mean, you see them scoring the goal, Charlie Nick. You think Charlie's come back? That's that's it's going to what what a story that is for the paper. And as I say to you, it's funny when Dyson scored the equaliser. You look up at the court and you're taking centre, and I say to Daz, "You've got much time left. You've anyway. got a goal." And I said, "That's the truth. You've got a goal here." So when Jason Dare cuts in for the right hand side and hits the worst shot you've ever seen in your life, he's left foot. <laughs> I actually turn to him and go, "Fuck, right." <laughs> but as I said, the elf bullies are in, thinking, this guy makes spill this year. And by the way, I think Big Marsh is taking stick for that one or, or mm-hmm. the rest of his career, you know, how he managed to spill that. And and, and also in the penalty kicks, they were, they were five first penalties. I think apart from Stephen McInespy, every penalty was terrible. He could have saved them. He didn't need to dive. He could have just saved them his feet. But he was diving early and all that, so... You've got to win somehow, haven't you, boys? You know, you can't. Right. You've got exactly. to win. You hit a target, the board as they go in. But, um, no, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. I've seen you put up a photograph of me. I just killed him. By the way, thanks for that one. My hair's a mess in it. There's a, there's a, there's a big hair. There's a big hair. Well, the helicopter pad's getting bigger. It's the, the, the Coca Cola can. The blue Coca Cola can, John. Yeah. Well, that, well, they had that at the outside Ibrox in the reception area. So I, I, I lifted that when we came out after having a few cans of beer and champagne and all that and won it. I go on the bus. I sneaked onto the bus. And all the players signed it. Everybody on the bus signed that and made the bus on the, 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 the cup on the bus. And all the Rangers fans were hanging out the windies because we beat Celtic, obviously. <laughs> it, was, it was quite surreal. But I, I often wondered what happened to that big can of Blue and white Coca Cola because it was signed and it must have been off a few quid. Maybe somebody's going in their garden. So you've been to the museum or something like that? Going, <laughs> some guy's going to his house. Off <laughs> 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 a few quid. But no, it was brilliant. Absolutely Who, brilliant. Excellent. Who got man of the match that day? Because the following year in the same competition, Aberdeen won and Stephen Glass um, got man of the match and he got a mountain bike. And I just wondered, did any of your guys get a mountain bike as well? I, well, I get the top goal scorer in the cup. I got that. Um, and I think I got 500 quid uh, you're right it was a mountain bike this season before 500 quid or something I got and I I can't mean what happened with it but I get I get taxed to bloody shreds with it because he gave me 500 quid I think Aye, told the wife <laughs> no, no, I've, I've got, by the way John I've got the check up the stair still Aye. somewhere something off a big money big massive one it's up there somewhere and uh, David <laughs> I think got it. I think David Neary got the man of the match because I can remember a photograph, if you look them up, you'll see a photograph of Davy standing with a kind of trophy thing. And it's not the cup, but it's not the, the bottom of the cup. It's a trophy. So I think Davy Neary get the man of the match. He's brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Good guy. Excellent. And you got the reward of uh, European football for the first and only time in race history. Um, yeah. I can't remember the Pharaohs team you beat, but I know you beat Akranis next round, and then you get the glamour tie by Munich. Just... No, you've played against by me. What an experience. Oh, well, the, 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 the 96 when it was, uh, it was the Euros when it, it was the Euros team when it, most of them played the Bayern team. Most of well, the German boys in twice, it. Yeah. Went, on and, went on and won the, the Euros, didn't they, at Wembley? So, um, no, mm-hmm. different class. I mean, big Alan McAnally was, he's, 
Did you swap shirts with anyone? I get my fans the first game. I get um, Thomas Helmer, the captain. Aye, aye. He actually lifted the. He was a German captain as well. Yeah. Lifted the thing. So mm. I, I was I was happy with that. Um, so that's there up the stairs um, for 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 a rainy day whenever whenever I might need them. But um, no, no, it was good stuff and. You know, worthy winners, they were, they were on and won it and won, obviously, we've seen, won the Euros as well, so. Annoying thing for me was, I can remember going, we jumped the taxis after the game for the hotel to go for a couple of beers somewhere. And we went into this pub, and I was telling my pal the other day story, and it just came to me that when I went into this pub, and by and Dean, obviously, you know, the Ori Adidas boots, the red strips with it. Aye, aye, yeah. There's this, behind the bar, in this pub, this kind of big pub we were in. There was a poster, uh, Bayern Munich 1978 or something, Paul Breitner, and they were all in it, Beckenbauer, Hoonis. I've seen all the guys, I've seen them earlier, really, Hoonis, and uh, Eugen Tyler, he was there. He was just, they were just all standing next to us, going out the tunnel, because the, the TV studio was right next to you, you got the tunnel, the, got the stairs in the Olympic Stadium. Right. And you can see Rumenegger get his makeup on and all that. And all <laughs> the guys, guys I grew up watching the telly. Aye. And I says to the guy behind the bar, can I, can I get that poster? And he took it off the bond, rolled it up and gave me it. Aye, brilliant. Got in a taxi, nice. went to the pub to meet the boys and I left it in the taxi. <laughs> That's a true story. That's a true story. <laughs> I went, what did I do that for? Oh. And it was, honestly, it was a cracker. And it was in, it was the, the, the Olympic Stadium was empty. And it was a, you know, it was the start of the season. It was like a pre-season photograph of them. But they were all standing. Mm-hmm. They were all standing and it just looked absolutely brilliant. Because I can remember as far back as all the teams, you know, it was West Germany at the time, and I'm raging that I didn't, didn't keep that, but there you go, maybe I did too many, I wasn't used to the German beer, I don't think it was any that strong. Did you get a good night in Munich? Yeah, we did, aye, we did a good night, uh, Bayern, a few Bayern players came in, um, and uh, we flew home and... That was us, that was a journey over, but it was a good night in Munich. I think the supporters enjoyed themselves as well, you know, and I think it was good at the end. We went over and seen the supporters, and I think they were really appreciative of, you know, how far we'd went and what we'd done, really, you know, and it just goes to show, you know, whether it's Bayern Munich, people always ask you when you get to these competitions, or do you want a big team right away? Even even local cup games, you know, a big glamour tie. I've always said that I want to try and go as far as I can. You know, yeah. you just go, and, go as far as you can, enjoy it, keep enjoying it. The more games you get, the better. And I just wonder if we, because there was a couple of these small teams in, in Southern the Cup at that time, but to go against a small team would have been maybe, maybe a hard one to take. So if you're going to go, you better go to one of the bigger teams. But there were some teams, they were absolutely brilliant. And the, the, the boys, Schwarzer in midfield, ran the show, completely ran mm. the show. Uh, he was, he was, maybe he went to Inter Milan for there, I think, after Bayern Munich. Um, Haman played, Peter Haman, Marcus Babel, all these guys were all playing in this team. Uh, uh, Mehmet Scholl, uh, he was the waste in the team. Oh, they, were player, giants, they were all big, mm-hmm. big guys, aye. They were all big, six feet two, six feet three. Um, obviously, apart from Papan and Scholl, they were, they were the smallest guys in the team, but the rest of them were all big. Even Klinsman, Klinsman's a big unit as well, so. You can see how they, they're, they're dead successful, but dead fit and just away ahead of us. They were away ahead of us. Aye. Well, I think they won the German League that year, so I think that tells you the calibre um, that you're up against. But you certainly didn't disgrace yourselves, as you say. 
Well, look, 2 0 at home, and you could have, well, I say home, neutral venue. Um, but yeah. Colin Cameron has a good chance in that game. I remember at 1 0. Who knows? Right. Could have been a different right. story. And you were leading over there. So going down 4 1 to a team like that's no disgrace at all. I think, I think they won the UEFA Cup that year, if I remember rightly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think they won the UEFA Cup. They won the league. And then obviously Germany won the, the Euros. So they were, they were the. They were the SAS of the FIFA mm-hmm. team, you know, they were, the, they were the main men, they were they were brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But you're right, I can remember the first leg, I can remember Colin missing a chance. I think I had a header at the back post as well, I tried to put a cross the goal, and it was, mm-hmm. it was overstretching kind of thing. But um, again, it was the occasion, it was just a good occasion, you know, it was really good to play against them. But they were there for one thing, and that was to get the job done, and you just felt as if they could up their game a wee bit at times. You could tell, you know, when they had a lot of possession. It's just going to take... That's what you pay the big bucks for, guys. Isn't it? You get guys like Klinsman and Papan and that kind of thing. That's that's what they're there for, you know. That's that's how they're million... Well, I don't know how much they're worth then, but I always remember um, before we played them, Jimmy Nicol had obviously watched a couple of their games and said, to the guy babble at right back's their weak link. If we, can, if we can get at him, we've got a chance. <laughs> I always remember the guy babble at the time going for... Seven and a half million to Benfica. I remember he went to Liverpool <laughs> as well, didn't he? Aye, for I thought, sure. I thought he can't be that bad a player, you know, for Jimmy Nichols. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus Babel. Uh, so, a uh, brilliant state times, absolutely brilliant. It must have been hard leaving Wraith Rovers. I mean, you, you finished sixth in the Premier League, which was good. Um, and then they went down the following season. But which team you'd left? How difficult was it leaving? Um, I, I'm disappointed. I thought I, I, Jimmy had left. And when Jimmy left, I, I, there was a two-year deal mm. we'd spoke about staying for another two years. I was desperate to stay, but the youth coach, Jimmy Thompson, came in and we didn't see eye to eye, really. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't particularly like the guy, to be quite honest with you. And uh, that was me. He started to leave me out the team. It was starting to get to all that kind of stuff, you know, and you're in the stand of the air, you're a sub, or I was like, you know what? And I think what he tried to do, and I think he'd done it too quickly, he tried to change it too quick, although he did have a couple of good results, obviously. But he changed, he, he wanted kind of, um, the Fifers, their kind of Fifers, kind of, and I went to Falkirk, and Stevie Kirk went the other wife in, in a swap deal. So he was moving back to, obviously, to Fife, and I was moving in the other direction, which in hindsight was a big mistake. I didn't really want to go there, and then I had a horrendous injury at that time as well, my knee, so... It didn't work out for me. Wraith stayed up. I can always remember the game against Wraith where we came to Rockville and um, we were leading 2 0. And I went through with Bobby Geddes and Bobby Geddes tripped me up and we got a penalty kick. And Wee Morris was on a hat trick. So Wee Morris Johnson took the penalty and, and missed it. And Wraith come, come back and beat us 3 2. And that was a turning point. That, that sent us down. You know, that was, we were on free fall after that. And then at the horrendous time with injury the next season, I snapped my patella twice, turned my cruciate. Um, I was out for the full year, and that was really, really, you know, you could, you could see my career kind of going, well, look, I'm not going to be the same as I ever was, because I was toiling me, even played a lot of games. And it's frustrating, because I wanted to do well at Falkirk, but the fans, you know, you, I scored against them loads of times. And when you go there, you want to play well, but when I went, it was John Lambie, it was the manager, big... Uh, Filson was the chairman and the fans had it in for them and it wasn't a good place at the time. They just they didn't they wanted change quickly and I just went totally at the wrong time and didn't didn't perform and try to play on a couple of niggly injuries and and that was it. They get relegated. Um 
and then the first division even Bannon came in and I was out for most of the year. I played about three or four games and I was out all season. And they got to the Scottish Cup final that season when Alec Totten came in. So I was the part of that. I was walking about in crutches. And then I left there and I just had to try and rehabilitate. And it was big John McVeigh at Partick Thistle. He says to me, get yourself down here and let's see if we can get me and him and Gordon Chisholm go up and down. If it wasn't for the two guys, I wouldn't have played on an extra 200, 150, 200 games. They got me fit. Although they offered me a contract, I couldn't sign it. Save the Jags, just at the time you save the Jags. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they went into administration and it was, I was awaiting. That's when they, Gordon Dale took me back down to, down to Somerset Park. And then what you find yourself doing then, boys, you're just floating about clubs, six months here, no way to live. Um, until I went to, to Air United, uh, went to Clyde, uh, managed to keep Clyde in the league, scored a good goal up at Forfa, scored a few for them. Um, I liked it, I liked Broadwood, it was good, good, good bunch of galleries, Kilbride guys are rocking them over there, you know. And, um, and then I had to go to Finland, I had to go to Finland to, to play regular for the season starting because of my knee. Managed to build it up and win promotion there. Uh, young Kevin Thomas was over with um, Finland. So, yeah, he came over and loaned <laughs> and um, we, we, won the, we won the league and got promotion with him and when we come back I signed for Sterling Albion and that was me away again. I, I felt no bad but it, it's true. You find that there's certain times in the game when you're playing you can get to the ball, you can can go and win it and I was never the same you know I was never the same I get my whole game kind of changed I had to try and muscle guys and see the trying to lay guys in and kind of thing you know but but um, no I managed to score a few goals I still I really enjoyed that my old teammate John Fillerman was the manager and I took on a business at the same time so that was a, that kind of worked kind of part time well I was full time with him but I could do it but what I was doing I was running a petrol station at the time and um for, for a good few years, so that kind of worked at the time. Um, and then you find yourself again for there, down to Queen's Park. Um, I think mate Kenny Brannigan took on and stayed there for three years and played with some young good boys coming through, and that was great. That was brilliant down there. Somebody, somebody said to me years ago, How do you know fancy going to Queen's Park and putting something back into the game? And that always stuck with me. A couple of junior teams came in and offered me silly money, to be quite honest with you, but well, I wasn't in it. I says, I we're going to help Kenny out. We're going to uh, Hamden and play there for three years. And really enjoyed it. Billy Stark came in and then eventually, I was getting I was 39 years of age, you know, and I went to uh, East Stirling to finish my career. And the manager left, and me and Gordon Wilde took, took the manager's job on together. And I played at the back. I get sent off. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that's it for me. I can't do it anymore, you know. I've got too much in my mind. I'm getting older. And that was the end of my career. And I'm a wee bit angry at that because I felt as if I just didn't go and that was it. And it was all over for 22 years. So it was quite frustrating. But um, no, you miss the dressing boys, you know. You, you, you definitely do. It's, people always say, that you've got to, I keep trying to say that to younger boys, you've got to enjoy every minute it because it'll no be long to you. You're not in the game. And somebody spoke to me yesterday about Stevie Aitken at East Kilbride. He took the East Kilbride job on. I thought he would have got the job two years ago when he left Dumbarton. And he said, you know, it's funny. When I left Dumbarton, my phone stopped ringing. And see, two days ago, when I got linked to the East Kilbride job, my phone started ringing again. So there you go. That's a manager saying that. It's incredible, isn't it? I caused someone else is after you. 
when you're out the game, nobody's interested. When you're when you're back in the game, everybody wants to know you again, and that's the way football is. It's one of the industries, you know, when your face fits. That's how I've always thought of managers. Big Tommy Wright and St Johnson done incredibly well being there at that length of time. When your face fits, mm-hmm. take the good, take the two, three years, see once that's over, see if you're see if you're in a good stock, move and go in somewhere else and recharge your batteries. Staying somewhere for too long, I think, can be dangerous, you know, unless you're at a better you know, maybe Neil Lennon's maybe an exception to that, you know, going back again and doing it again kind of thing, but the Celtic have got the financial clout. But if you're a manager, I think that's the way to be and you know, that's what I would always advise. But um but he's just glad being back in the game and it's it's it's, it's you know, as we opened to speaking to each other about Kevin only to hopefully and it's terrible to think that somebody needs to get the, the sack before another guy steps in, you know, so that's just the way it is. It's good to see um, Steve Aitken back in because he did a good job at Dumbarton um, beforehand. Uh, I, I just want to ask a, a wee bit about your um, recent pundit check. Is, um, you, you were with Rocksport for a while. I know yeah. the station went out of business and it left a bit of sour taste, but how was the experience yeah. up until then? That was great. That was great. Brilliant. You know, the, the, working with a couple of good guys in there and, um, you know, one of the, the producers of the show, Young Ewan, was fantastic. Great wee thistle supporter. Um, but I just felt that at times, you know, I think they were relying on me to get guys on the show and kind of build up a wee kind of relationship. And I've done it for a few years. It was, it was really good. I really enjoyed it. But, you know, it just, it just you hit on it. And things like that happen and you're, you're not getting told what's happening. It's It leaves a wee kind of, you know, a sour taste in your mouth. So um, that didn't work out. And, a lot of people are owed a, a substantial amount of money, so that, that's just the way it works. But it was good at the time. It was good getting guys on, managers, talking about all different topics. Um, something I'd think about doing again. It was really, really interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, good experience. So, no, no, great stuff. It was really good. I really enjoyed it at the time. Um, I think they're actually changed their name. I think it's something else now, so I don't know. I, I, I don't listen anymore. You know, I don't listen to that one anymore. So, no, but it was really interesting at the time. Combined that, obviously done sometimes on a Saturday when I was working for the paper, whatever game I was at, I would do the half-time report on the radio as well and that kind of thing. So, no, it was a good experience, really enjoyed it. Um, and, and we'll see what happens, see if anything else happens. But it's getting tighter. There's hundreds of guys out there, boys, you know the rules, you know. There's hundreds of guys looking for wee bits and bits and bobs here and there, isn't there? There's a lot Aye. of guys out there, so uh, it's very difficult. But um, we'll just see... We'll just see what happens with this pandemic, when we start back, when, what kind of season we're going to have, what kind of league we're going to have, what teams are going to be in the leagues. It's pretty interesting, and as we spoke earlier on, it'd be good to kind of hear from somebody that kind of knows a wee bit to give supporters, players, managers a bit of hope, because that's what we're just hoping for. Aye, definitely. We just want to get back there on a Saturday, watching or playing or whatever. It's just, it's a community thing as well. That's the, the, yeah. the main thing, the community aspect. Yep. In terms of society, the impact it has on society as well. Football's not there, but it's there for most of the males in the country. Yeah, and absolutely. a lot of women, kids as well. Ah, they are, well, uh, yeah, you're right. And the, the thing is, it spoils your Saturday. I mean, you, we, all, we all like to, to go to the football, yeah. go up the road, park the car, go for a couple of pints, tell, talk to a couple of guys in your local, what game you get today, talk about the football. Usually there's football in the telly, and then you get home from your curry, and that's your, that's your Saturday, but it's just not been happening now. Aye, you can't <laughs> get a good curry. What's your favourite curry? 
Um, it's actually a, um, there's a wee place down the road in the, in the, the village in East Kilbride called the Wee Gurkha. Aye, aye, I know it, aye. Yeah, yeah, it's in a Nepalese, it's a Nepalese, yes. um, I need to ask my wife, I can't it's be Italian pizza place. Yes, yes, aye, aye. and he does a fantastic um, Nepalese curry, and it's it's really, really nice with the lamb, it's got to be a lamb, but lamb aye. for me. Aye, aye. Absolutely fantastic wee place. Nice. I know about you are, aye. Yeah, good stuff, good. Fabulous. Um, I, I mentioned I had a message from a former player for you. Um, it's from, I guess, very recently, Alan, Alan Lawrence says, when I get you on, I've to ask you about the time that he met you in a band to reef. Hashtag Barbungie. Barbungie. <laughs> Alan, it was fun. Well, this has been back a long, long time, guys. This has been, we're, we're kind of talking about the Tommy Gamble, um, yeah, the kind of money would it cost you to go on holiday and that kind of thing a lot cheaper than it does now I can, you can you know, go for that one you're going to get your bottles for 200 quid aye <laughs> me, my, me, my girl, me and my girlfriend ended up in this place in Tenerife <laughs> and we walked in and we walked into the apartment and we went well, that's, that's okay right where's, where's the bedroom and it was like it was like kind of dug out of a cave with two cushions right but there wasn't a bedroom that was it we booked this place that was absolutely dreadful he says, come on, just dump the cases. Let's go down to the, the pool. And I go down to the pool, and uh, there's this guy on a, one of the lilos in the pool. And I'm like, I'm looking at him, I'm staring at him. And you're all about to turn the from Scotland, you know what I mean? I went, Alan. He went, it was Alan Lawrence. So it ended up, big Paul Flex, and he was staying across the road. And a couple of people in a hotel, and they used to come across to our place. And uh, remember Big Paul Flex that played with Clyde in Scotland number 21, big centre-back, great big player. And Kelly. I made my debut against him for Clyde Bank. And uh, so Alan Lawrence was there and we just all hung about every night. Great crowd of people. It didn't matter what the apartments were like. You're hardly ever in them anyway when you're at aye, aye. I was just to get in, you know, a couple of drinks and you fall into the brick that we were buying for. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible man. Oh, honestly. <laughs> Cockroaches and everything, you know. And uh, we went down to a place called Down in Veronica's at the time. There's a book in here, bar. Never forget it. Karaoke and all that kind of stuff. And we, uh, the guy was this bar bungee. Have you ever done that? No, bar no. Bungee. They put a bungee belt around you, and you run to the, the start of the bar. They put a can of a can of. By the way, they for a can of beer. That's what Scots were doing. Put a can of beer out as far as it, you know, for nothing, obviously. They put it out as far, maybe 20, 30 yards, and you get this rope around you. So, well, there you go. Me and Big Paul were all right at it, because we had a bit of weight, but we Alan. We Alan was about seven stone ten, you know. He, he, he goes to grab the can. I think he gets it. But the, the elastic's on him, and I'm not kidding you. It was one of the cartoons. He flung right back, right into the, the back of the bar with this bar bungee thing. What a laugh. It was hilarious. But, um, no, he, he survived, but... I think the beer was open, and by the time he got there, there was nothing left of it because he tipped it all out of cell when he, when he landed with a crash, you know. But no, that was great. That was a great holiday, and I, I like seeing you, man. I think he's out at Airdrie now, isn't he? Working. He works behind yeah. the scenes here at Airdrie during, during the game, so no, it's good to see him. But um, unfortunately yeah. for Alan, Alan was the guy that we Potsy saved the penalty against, but I don't like mentioning that to him, you know. He's going to final for Airdrie. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't we didn't mention that when he was on. Uh, I regret that. No, no. Um, he, he, he says um, he says you had a white suit on that night and you looked like the Doug Spaws. <laughs> white suit. Oh, 
Miami Vice. It's not a lot of rubbish. White shirt. I've never had a white suit in my life. Turn that up. White suit. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even. White trousers, sorry. White trousers. I might have white trousers. I've got a white suit. Come on. Sonny Crockett. Is that way when you go on holiday, you wear stuff you would never ever be seen dead at home in? Aye, because <laughs> well, when you come up the road, Where you just put it in the case and put it under the bed, didn't you? And then, aye. you know, you wash it a week before you go again and you're So that's your aye, aye. Mother Childs, that's not that. <laughs> she wouldn't have heard it in the pub here. Some of the things I've been doing earlier, don't forget, boys. Well, we're the 80s was mental. The early 80s was mental. Oh, aye. <laughs> Should we have already the quick fire stuff? That kind of started. Um, quick fire stuff. I think we've already started because you asked to be his favourite curry. <laughs> aye, but that's only because he mentioned it, but like it's a curry that started, right? Aye. Oh, aye. Aye, true. Can he beat it? Favourite beer? During the pandemic, um, I'm going to go for the IPA the Joker. Bottles. Like, like the craft Fantastic. stuff. Yes, really yep. nice. I've started recently. We can name the bed. If they, if they, if they want to sponsor us, by all means, but uh, Beer 52. You can get Beer 52, you get the beers that. delivered. Right. Uh, eight beers for, I think it's 24 quid, but it's all kind of craft stuff and different things. And suppose you never get the same beer twice. So, aye, uh, it's good. I'm surprised maybe Nisco Bright's tried that one, John. Maybe Nisco Bright's doing that. Honestly. Aye. Uh, it's online, just delivery. You can, uh, I think the first one I paid, I was like 5 99 for 8 beers. It's good. Beer 52. Excellent. And if he's what sponsors Beer 52, then send it on. <laughs> <laughs> You've obviously got a bit more time during the pandemic um, to catch up in any um, series and box sets. What's the ones you're watching just now? Well, we're watching um, Ozark, because my pals have all told me about it. So I actually told my old man about that um, two weeks ago. and No, maybe a wee bit longer than that, three weeks ago. And I think we're through the first series, and we're just going into the second one, maybe two episodes. And my dad's binged watched it, so I can't even go down and see him now, because every time I go down to see him, he tells me what happened. Where are you? <laughs> His message is shouting, stop telling him what's happening. Have you seen the eyeballs yet? All that kind of stuff, you know, I'm like, no, I've not seen the eyeballs yet. <laughs> so he kind of spoils it for me. But we're also watching that um, Blood. We, we, we had never seen that. The one with Adrian Dunbar uh, over yeah. Ireland. Uh, I think it was just on normal television. I, I, I think it was. But we've lost two episodes. We've <laughs> lost two episodes yet, I think. Delighted off the planner. Oh, it's a killer, man, honestly. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> killer, well. Or right in it as well, you know, in my host two episodes, so that's out the window. So I'm open to suggestions, guys. Last Dance is good on uh, Netflix about Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan documentary. Right. It's really uh, one, good. Of the boys, one of the boys mentioned that, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. Try and go else I've watched. Sky TV, um, Save Me, too. I don't know if you ever watched the first series, that's good. No. Right, okay. Right. Um, there's not much. There's not much out there, though, aren't there? My problem is, and I don't know if you're on the same boat. Once I start watching two or three things, I get kind of mixed up with them all. Aye, uh, yeah, I like to focus on one thing. Aye, just mm-hmm. concentrate on it. Just blitz uh, it. Killing Eve's right. good. If you, if you yeah, watch Killing Eve. Yeah, I didn't watch the first series, and I'm no, I've never ever watched that. Um, that one that they all they, they all spoke about with the dragons and the things and all that one. I want to that oh, Game of Thrones. Aye, I never get into it. Ah, no, that's not my cup of tea. That one, no. Who was your toughest opponent through your playing career? 
My toughest opponent was Paul Elliott for Celtic. Oh, Paul Elliott, aye. Um, only managed to play against him two or three mm. times, but he dominated me most of the time. He was, he was, I, I was kind of gone for part-time football to full-time football at the time, and he was a complete athlete at the time, you know. So I would say he was probably my, my, my hardest opponent, hardest guy to play against. He was uh, phenomenal, phenomenal. He came from Italy at the time, didn't he? He played in Italy. Yeah. Was it Pisa? Yeah, Barry. I think he played Barry. Barry. Pisa. Might have been Pisa, by the way. Might have been Pisa, yeah. Him, but and he, yeah, he was a tremendous, tremendous near, a good talker. He just attacked the ball. And it was a sore one as well when he attacked the ball. You know, one of them. Just, just come through the back here. No, a tremendous player. So, I would say he was my toughest opponent. Dressing room prank. Best dressing room prank that you've been involved in or seen that you can... You can tell us about dressing room plank. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I, I, it wasn't a, it wasn't a prank. We were sitting in the bath and I'll be in overs one time, and after a hard training session or after a game, I can't mind. And I'll no name the guy. We actually done a number two. Oh no! In, in the bath, <laughs> and it was like. It just come floating right up like that, you know. And it was like, it was like, it was like a scene out of Jaws trying to get out of it. I was, I was cutting guys up. There, <laughs> I was cutting guys, I was slashing guys going that. He trying to get out of the bath so that the job, so that the jobby would get them, you know. Oh, that's even worse than the other week when we had. We had uh, oh, was it we had on the other week? That'd be the air. And we were talking about the story about him as a there's a guy, uh, Tam McMaris had put a thing up on Twitter about how Dean Keenan when he was there pissed on yeah. folk at the shower. That was his uh well, was a few guys. Not Aaron. It was Aaron. Aye, yeah. it was Aaron, aye. Yeah, few guys have done aye. that as well. That beats it the number two in the bath. God the hell. And the number two, and I'm not gonna name him. Oh. But he done it and it was like a battle for survival, guys. It was uh, a battle for survival. That's well, like the kind of thing you see the kids put on holiday, isn't it? It was like the, the, the film years ago with Porky's, remember the <laughs> topic floating about the swimming pool, you know. But this wasn't a topic, I'll tell you. <laughs> Unbelievable. So anyway, that was, uh, that's not a prank, but it happened, my friend. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> that happened, I. Absolutely. That's the quickest I've ever moved my whole career, by the way. You wonder. <laughs> On this note, we might as well end with the um, best eleven, going from one best extreme 11. to another. Right, so is this just is this just guys that I played with? It doesn't matter how long I played with them for. Yeah. The, you happy with that? Right. Well, I'm going to go for because I, I actually played at Air United. I actually but, played with Steve, with Steve Archibald for two games. He came out and played up front with me when Josh Burley was the manager. But I've no put him in my eleven because I felt I only played with the two games. Yeah. I'm going to go for a big goalie that I played with Motherwell, Steve Dykstra. I think he was mm. absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Total confidence in him. Any cross ball, anything came into the box. He was out there and the fans actually just used to shout Sieb. And it was one of these big kind of like German, you know, the German fans shout a player's name and you can hear it, you know. Yeah. And he would come out and just grab everything. He was absolutely brilliant. And he was not a bad guy as well. He was, he was quite... No, the, the thing is, he's, he's, you know, that wee dodgy moustache that he had, boys, you know. The poor old dash. 
he was actually all right guy. He was all right, but he was a good goalkeeper. So I picked him to get goals. Going to stick with Murrow for my right back. Um, in fact, I've, I've done a wee scribble here. I've got. Um, in fact, no, I'm going. I'm going to play a three. I'm going to play a three-five-two. Is that okay? Yeah, you play what you want. Sweeten at the back. I'm going to have Luton Nihal play with Murrow. Mm, I, right I think he would. I think he would do to Swindon. And he played the yeah. sweeper kind of role or a centre back role Aye. there. So I've got him in the back of my three. Tremendous athlete. Um, powerhouse of a guy. And, and could, could, could got him doing the part. He was really comfortable. Very comfortable on the ball. In front of him, on the right hand side, I'm going to put Davy Weir in. But Davy Weir just get better and better as he got older and older. And he was a fantastic player. Um, played with Falkirk and he, he, he was coming out of things there. And went on, obviously, Captain Everton. Scotland and Rangers. Um, I've spoken about this guy a lot. Got to put him in my team. He's one of the best players I've played with, and that was David Airy, our centre back. So that's my wee triangle there. It just speaks for itself with David because he just made things look easy and very rarely gave the ball away. Very rarely. But people don't. He could, he could, he could put his foot in as well, by the way. He always thought he was a kind of, you know, uh, a player that didn't really get dirty. But he could put his foot in as well, you know, because he was quite very, very competitive. He's competitive in golf as well. He's doing his scratch now, but that's another story. <laughs> um, my midfield, on the left-hand side, I could maybe swap them about a wee bit, but I'm going to stick um, wide left. I'm going to put Chris Waddle in there. who came up to Falkirk when I was there. He played, a, mm. played a, a dozen games, and he just used class. He was absolutely brilliant, even at that age. You know, he was comfortable on the ball, and he's a good guy, good guy running about the dressing room. Um, inside Tim and kind of controlling things in there, I've got David Cooper, who was just David Cooper. Anybody that ever tells you what type of player he was, it's true. He was just brilliant at everything. So calm. Wonderful. One day I left foot. Um, I, I remember going into Fur Park and saying, Look, David, you know, doing the warm up the day, and he went, he's in the, he's in the, he used to stand in the bath and he used to fill the water up just to his ankles and just move his ankles about. He says, that's David doing his warm-up in there. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't need to do the warm-up, you know. He was brilliant. Hmm. Um, inside Tim, I'm going to go for O'Donnell. Yeah. Um, he was, he, there's a couple of clips, guys, you need to watch him when he was at Motherwell. It doesn't even look as if he's running on the grass. He just seems to be gliding right, you know. He could just accelerate away from you guys. Unbelievable. What a talent. Could score goals. Was brave, but it was what 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 held him back a wee bit in his younger career was he couple of wee niggly injuries, so he never trained all the time. And people forget that he was playing games without training, and he was still the man of the match at times, you know. So it just shows how good he could have been if he hadn't had just a couple of wee niggly injuries. He was fantastic, fantastic boy as well. Um, inside him again, got to the right hand side. Now it's Derek Ferguson. Often of us argument with a couple of my pals about Barry or Derek. I don't think Derek get the chance to be, and don't forget he was playing in a much inferior Rangers team than, than Barry did, yeah. in my opinion. Um, but Barry was a fantastic player, no doubt about it. Derek was as well. Uh, could control the game, could control the game, whatever pace you wanted to play it, he would dictate it. So, you've got a couple of sitters in there, got a couple of guys with wonderful left foot, and I've got him in the right hand side. The outside, Tim, I'm going to stick Spoke about Melanon, Colin Cameron. 
who can do that shift up and down. Yeah. But also, you can play off the front two as well if you want to change it to a 4 4 2 or a 4 3 3, whatever. So um, he'd be in my team right away because he's, a, he's an absolute uh, fantastic talent as a boy coming through, and I think he had a great career. And he's, he's also a good lad. Up at the top end, um, I've got to go for him. It hurts me to do it, but I've got to put Gordon Dale in because <laughs> the best goal scorer that I've ever played with. There's no doubt about it. I think he was on a, a run of about 16 games. He scored in every game for us at that, that time. We were trying to win the league and win the cup. Um, if we won one nil, it was DL. You know, it, it was just it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Penalty box striker, a real good finisher. Rubbish patter, but a good good penalty, penalty <laughs> box striker. Um, and his partner's Morris Johnson, who I couldn't believe how good he was. I really couldn't believe how good Morris Johnson was. Training, best trainer, best player in training, and a, a good guy, a, a good guy. A lot of stories about him, a lot of kind of false things, a lot of true things. But but he was he was totally dedicated to football, and he was good at getting us into some clubs in Glasgow. Times. <laughs> <laughs> so he's definitely in the team, and that's my that's my 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 best eleven that I've played with us. You know yourself, you've asked on other guys, there's loads of guys, there's loads of guys there that you can mention, but I just, I just thought they were, that would be a good team, I think I'd be playing. Oh, you've got mm-hmm. guys in there. Uh, yeah. uh, so that's my best 11, boys. Who's your manager for it? Well, that's a tough one. Ali McLeod, 100%. Ali McLeod, we, 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 beat, we beat Dundee, Air United. And Aberdeen were playing them firmly that day. And the way they got the Aberdeen, uh, Craig Robertson and all that, the way they got back up the road. We went into the Swallow Hotel. No, the Swallow Hotel, the knee just after the roundabout before you got, as if you got to Dens Park. Yeah. Ali McLeod, we beat them yeah. 2-1. And they were on a high. And it didn't matter what you'd arranged for that night. But Ali says to the, to the bus driver, take a right into the Swallow Hotel. So... I could tell you hundreds of stories about Ali, but you should dedicate a programme to Ali, by the way. Get you back on, on, definitely. Brilliant. So he takes a right turn, and he says to all the chairmen, the directors and the chairmen, right, you're on the first round, you're on the second round, you're on the third round, right, so we just won a game, right. So we're off. You know, I was meeting my girlfriend and that, you know, your plans are up in the air. So he goes in, and there's a wedding on. It's a wedding. <laughs> and the chairman goes to the bar and orders a drink. See, within five minutes, the whole wedding with Rune Alley, and he was telling them all stories. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> the whole wedding had left, all the guys were out, Ali McLeod, and he was telling them stories about Argentina, and this one, and this one, and throwing up the Archie Gemmell's goal in, and how he managed to pay it, but he was taking credit for it. <laughs> but then all the Aberdeen boys come running, within five minutes, the Aberdeen boys coming back to the Dunfermline, popped in, and they were all running them and because he'd managed up there, they were yeah, all yeah. there, and, Everybody, everybody in the, everybody in the Tammy's hand, and that was the, that was the way he was. You know, he was absolutely brilliant, brilliant guy. And he probably, I keep telling everybody this. I know the, the, the fiasco in 1978, whatever. He picked the team we'd all picked and all. <laughs> he picked the same players. I mean, maybe the only thing was I think McGrain didn't play, didn't you know, against Iran, and I think the, the goal came down the right hand side. If McGrain had played, maybe we'd beat Iran and we'd maybe qualified, but. He just picked the, the same team as we were all picking. With some team, he picked them, and we just couldn't <laughs> do it. 
But what he did say was it was a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare. They hadn't they sussed out the hotels right and all that, and the SFA hadn't helped them, and they didn't have a training run, and a lot of things behind the scenes that you know about that, that we didn't know at the time. So um, for Potter, for, for stories, for football knowledge, and uh, he's he's my manager. He's my, definitely my manager. All right. I enjoyed oh, yeah. that. Mm. It's crazy to think that some, um, we had a team that went to the World Cup thinking you could win it. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to, I mean, they were a good, really good team before my era, but you, that many stories you hear and the players they had back then, it's like crazy. Absolutely brilliant players. Brilliant. I mean, I mean world class, wouldn't they? World class. But if you go about like an aging guy mm. that had done it, in the World Cup before it, and can bend three kicks through any corner, and that could be asked, didn't they? They forgot all about him. Um, I think Alan Ruff was still <laughs> trying to find his way through his permanent at the time, <laughs> that corner a couple of times, but, but um, no, Scotland are a brilliant team, it's great, you know, I remember all the great memories of watching them and things, and now we can't even get there. That's another thing, you know, with the teams I was talking about the other day there, about academies, the football clubs, you guys have got the the knowledge to go and find, find out how much academies actually spend on academies. And it's, no, I'm not going to say it's a waste of money. I'm no, but with the money they spend and the recruitment they need, the people, the doctors, the coaches, the, the guys that do this and that, and there's 15 guys looking after this. Every team, by the way, you need to have them all. It's a fortune. Can you not just go, I mean, buy a few players for that and try and win the league? I mean, Guys go into every season optimistic. Realistically, guys, if you're a hip supporter, a heart supporter, you're going to win the league. You've maybe, maybe, maybe got a chance to win the cup. Yeah. Talking to my mate about it the other day there. He was in football. He was out cup and talk for a boy, you know. And he was saying to his... Saying to the hip supporters, a couple of boys, mates of mine. Um, you know, the best hips team has been... When, when the Brown was coming through with... Yeah, Scobie and yeah. you know, all the boys with Manus and all the young boys, O'Connor. What a team. Whitaker. What a team they were. Thompson. I'm rhyming them all off. What? Riordan. Yeah, there's another one. They must have been really exciting to watch and they were all products of young boys coming through. Aye. I can't remember the last young player to come through for anywhere. I can't. I, I, I can't remember. We're all, we're, all, we're all talking about this boy Gilmore doing at Chelsea. I hope he's a real deal, you know, but for the money it's getting wasted on that up here. I, I, I just can't, we can't call it, we're talking about going to the World Cup. We can't, go, we can't qualify for him. So what's the answer? Are we getting better? Are these academies? I don't, I think, can't even... I don't think we're getting better. Yeah, it's difficult to tell, because when did they, they came into place about, what, how long now? As much as 10 years ago? 12, 10, 12 years ago? I, I don't know, but, would they need to wait another 10 years and another 5, 6, 7 years to see where these boys are going to uh, take I think the problem is though that it's because it's linked to the schools you've got to be in the school so you, if, you're yeah. not, if you're not at the right school you're not going to get picked up whereas uh, that's wrong I mean back yeah. in the day I would imagine when it's a bit elitist. folk you played in the street you played jumpers or goalposts and all that it's too yeah. maybe regimented now too regimented that's, we that's what we were talking about John we were talking about the fact that you played with the school in the morning you played with your boys club in the afternoon you played with the BB or whatever on the Sunday or whatever it was, right? One of these clubs. You were learning your football. You, you were playing all the time, and that's how you learned. And you weren't playing in decent parks. It was ash parks, black Aye. ash parks, red place, and red. Well, 
you know, the scrubbing brush, your dad was scrubbing brush after that, <laughs> and the back, and like, oh, yeah. But that was, that's how you learned. And I just felt, I just felt <laughs> when he signed, I was at Aberdeen as a young boy, and then I went to St. Mum as a young kid. And that was my learning curve. I wasn't allowed to sign for Aberdeen because I was only 13. Obviously, Ferguson had moved, I was 14, went to St. Mirren. I don't th- young boys are signing for teams at 9, 10, 11, 12. You know, come on. Let them go and enjoy their football and learn their football and see whether they want to play football. Oh, I definitely like You know, it's, they've got to learn the game. And I don't think they're getting starved at these teams. And I'm, I'm not going to take away, I'm not going to sound doom and gloom or whatever, but I don't think every single club has to have an academy. You know, I mean, like, come on. You know, it's good to have a local community and Stenhouse Muirs and Albion Rovers are getting young boys to come in, but bring them in at 13, 14, 15. No, no, 9, 10, 11. You know, I mean, let them enjoy their life. They don't seem to be exactly. pretty, pretty regimented joining it. I, I think it is anyway, you know. Yeah. I've over coats. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Was, it, was it Kevin we had? Was it Kevin that, I don't know if it was Kevin or somebody else, but I remember him saying, what's the point? They said, like you're saying, what's the point of the lower league teams having academies? Because they could pick up the players from that drop out of Celtic and Rangers and all the likes. Yeah, yeah. That are looking totally for teams. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so. That's my moan early anyway, boys. That's my, that was my moan. I like, oh, right. I like to moan about that. I like to moan about that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. Monday's a good day for it, to be fair. Absolutely. Absolutely. Buy some cracking stories anyway. We definitely need to get back on. Uh, anytime, yeah, honestly, just give you a shout. That'd be great. You know, we'll see what happens with the pandemic, obviously, and we'll see what, what happens with, with teams, and we'll see if there's any teams left. I mean, yeah. it's going to happen there, you know I mean? I don't, I don't know, and I think what you'll find is there'll be a week in a domino, won't there? You know, teams that need to cut their 26 playing staff down to 22, that's four boys moving to somebody else. They'll need to cut, and it'll go down other leagues. You'll see guys that are maybe on two, three hundred pounds a week, having to accept 150, 125 pounds a week, and yep. so forth. And it's it's kind of be good for the game that one, you know. But uh, listen, Canada, it's it's just the way it is, and we we Canada in the bit. Uh, whether we might even see a, a chance at mergers. Don't know whether that would happen. Well, well that's another thing. That's another thing that could happen. They might even regionalise the leagues, they might regionalise, you know, why why I'll be normal got to Cove on a Wednesday night, they got there three times twice, sorry. They played them at home and they got there twice the next two weeks. Yeah. I mean it's a fortune. It's a fortune. So, so uh, it's pretty difficult for teams to do that, you know, but uh, maybe they'll do that. If it's going to be January, they're going to have to do that somehow, wouldn't they? Because you're not going to get the right amount of games in until May again. I definitely. Welcome back. So it's a frightening prospect, isn't it? That's where they're getting paid for at Hamden to make the decisions. We don't Aye. always agree with them, but that's where they're getting paid for. <laughs> Aye, that's... <laughs> we can okay, talk about that as well. But we're not doing it. <laughs> nah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. But maybe shortly we'll hear. Maybe we'll hear soon. Hopefully. And then we'll get back to some sort of a normality. I'm down to go to a football game, you know. Oh, I definitely the weather, aye. The weather's cracking in April, man. I know usually when we go, it's pouring rain, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, aye. <laughs> it's like, you can always guarantee when the Junior Cup finals are on, there's like guaranteed good weather. I've been to a few of them over the years and you're absolutely. there, t-shirt and shorts. You can't beat it. As opposed absolutely. to in the winter when you're there and you're wearing about three different layers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, my theory on that one is because they're taking the planes out of the sky, boys, the weather's good. Oh, yeah, why? Well, that's, that's how the weather's good at the, the minute for us. 
Because that, that, that jet stream that runs up to Belfast and then goes right across Glasgow with the rain. Aye, aye. There's only news of there. It was just because of the planes that's straight up. So I think there's a conspiracy against Scotland to make it rain all the time across the West Coast it's always rubbish. Aye. So, so I'm off for banning the planes, although I'm desperate to go on holiday. <laughs> uh, well, I'm due to go in July, but I don't know if it'll happen or not. We'll see. Is that way you, is that way you need to decide do you go or no go? The risk, but oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. See what I mean, I'm, I'm booked for next year, so I'm hoping that I'll be alright for then. It should be. I mean, I was looking forward to going away. It was, sure, it's me and my wife's 30th wedding anniversary on the 29th of June. The Euros were going to be on, weren't they? Aye. So the whole family were going, and we were all going to go and watch the fit by the boys and that and let them do their own thing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of spoiled for us now, and even here, guys watching it. You know, Euros is a good wee, a good wee, when you're on holiday, it's good sitting with a wee beer into it. And oh, I definitely. Day, so. A beer, a, cold, a beer always tastes better than holiday, doesn't it? Well, I, I, I don't know about you, but I can't get in the back. Because the sun's, I've got to have a beer in my hand. I can't, I can't drink a can of ginger, you know. It's, it's got to be a beer in the afternoon, isn't it? The sun's, it tastes a lot better. But, but we need to watch what we're doing with that one. Aye. Well, the best for your anniversary when it comes. Aye, thank you very much. Thanks very much, guys. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll definitely get you back on, Ali. Absolutely. Brilliant. I really enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Cheers. Yeah, Cheers. we enjoyed that too. Thanks, Sally. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers. Stay safe. Cheers. Cheers, mate.